Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 183 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is October uh, 30th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring. With me, as always, is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Vaughn Hyde. Hi, guys. I think it's so weird that, like, literally your last two episodes are both just the dead carcass of IndiePod, like, <laughs> invading your podcast. It was a good podcast, and I try. This is my way of like getting some kind of re, like reliving it to some extent. It's like if yeah. I can't if I can't listen to it, maybe I maybe I'll invite if I invite them on, they'll come talk, and that'll be close enough. The resurrection tour. <laughs> well, Josh and I have been talking about starting a new podcast, so there's that. Oh no, really? Yeah, we uh, so. We ended up, I, I don't know if we'll eventually talk about this, but I guess I'll just do it now. Yeah. We ended up canceling IndiePod, but we were talking about even then, like starting a new podcast, but I wanted to take a break for a little while from podcasting or just content creation in general mm -hmm. to kind of, I, I guess, simmer and become less jaded with having to grind. Cause like I've been trying to succeed on the internet for like 10 years and just it didn't necessarily happen. I found a small amount of success with IndiePod, which was amazing, yeah, but yeah. it just didn't happen on this, like, I guess, larger scale that I thought it would, even though it's kind of delusional. Um, and then literally, like, right when we were ending, we were talking about just doing a podcast. So basically, like, we would talk to each other because otherwise we're both just absolutely atrocious at keeping in touch. And for instance, we have... Uh, not actually spoken we've messaged like maybe two or three times in eight months like we're so bad at oh, it oh well, yeah yeah so we've been talking recently about doing another podcast because i'm starting to get back into content creation and i know josh wants to do it again because it's like you do it for three years you kind of just get used to it and you feel like you're not doing anything outside of it right yeah so, so when you say Oh, sorry about it, Robert. Well, I think we're about to ask the same thing. Can you give us, <clears throat> are you ready to reveal any deets on what the topic of this podcast might be? Or is that under, is that under wraps for now? NDA. <laughs> we haven't, uh, we haven't discussed like a specific topic. I'm fairly certain both Josh and I have like, I don't think either of us care if it's something that's built to succeed. So I think what we're going to yeah. do is just have conversations like we did on IndiePod. It's like basically just IndiePod, but cutting out the indie games. Like it's just going to be the dumbass conversations that we would have. Oh, so just like cool. two dudes chilling type thing. <clears throat> yeah, it's possible um, that we'll do something like that or we'll do something more specific. I, I don't really know. Um, like I said, it's mostly just about us keeping in touch with each other because I found an amazing friend in Josh and we're both just like, he lives in Florida and I live in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And yes, we could just use Discord, but like, who's got fucking time for that, you know? It's like, this, that, that's a <laughs> poor man's game right there. I can't right. do that. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. you guys have always, I mean, obviously had a really good chemistry. So, I mean, I think that would be fun to listen yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Cause I, like I said, I haven't talked to Josh in a long time and I'm just, well, one, I'm excited to do this podcast. Cause I haven't done a podcast in a while. I've been recently working on some of like my own video content, but I haven't done a podcast in a while. And I'm interested to see how much rust has built up in the eight, in the last like eight months. 
I, I don't think you'll have any problem at all, to be honest. I, I wanted to ask as well, you know, you talk about the new podcast, you're looking at doing something free form. Are you, do you think you're going to come prepared with like some foundational topics to discuss? Or do you think you're really just going to show up and be like, and just shoot the shit with, with Josh and just run through it? Honestly, I've, I've noticed as a content creator and just, uh, well, I actually think content was the thing that showed me this the most is that I'm a person who's so terrified of making mistakes that I prepare to an obsessive degree uh. beforehand. So I will more than likely have like a bunch of just weird topics. Like, you know, all those odd Reddit threads, they're yeah. like the level of, am I the asshole or the ones that are like, let's just do random fucking like questions that anybody can use. Maybe I'll bring some of those to the table just to like oh. kind of fill the gaps. But Josh and I have always been kind of good at just shooting the shit and it's worked pretty well. So I seemingly it's going to be a mixture of both, but I'll come to the table with at least something to talk about. Oh, cool. I think it's a really good approach to have. And yeah, I, I think it's always nice to have like that backup thing in case like the conversation gets stale or, or whatever, which it sounds like it, that wouldn't happen to you all, but this is like a prep. Do you guys are, would you guys ever, or are you guys considering on expanding the podcast and bringing on additional people or is it just going to be you two? Um, I would like to, it's just, it's like weirdly hard to find, and this is going to sound mean, but it's, it's weirdly hard to find adequate co-hosts. Like, it's, <laughs> I know, I know your challenge there. I'm yeah, because you'll do like 20 episodes with people. And then, like I said, I'm, I'm somebody who prepares so much beforehand and it's just, Sometimes you feel like you're putting in more to something than somebody else is, and they're just kind of like phoning it in or whatever. And it's happened more often than not in my experience. So maybe we'll find like a third person or a fourth person. Maybe we'll just bring friends on. Maybe we'll have you guys on sometimes. It's like, I don't really know. I actually didn't know that you guys used to have a third person on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Blake, back in. I think that was up until... Jay, what was that like up until just before? It was like 78 or 80 or something like that. I, I I'll be honest with you. I don't even know anymore. It's been <laughs> so we've been doing this for how long now? Every time I go back and look, I'm blown away once again by how long. Like, I think the last time I checked, it was like eight years. Yeah. It, it, oh, my so God. It, it all just kind of blurs together. For oh, me. shit, dude. In two months, <laughs> December 3rd will be our nine year anniversary. <laughs> Oh, we got to do something special for it. But uh, what, what were you saying, Vaughn, by the way? I feel like I do that to Robert a lot. I know Robert, Robert it, I'm sure a lot of people podcast over. Robert puts a lot of time and effort into uh, getting everything set up and everything, and I just kind of show up. So Robert's the uh, MVP. It's pretty podcast. obvious. Not See, obvious. <laughs> I don't mind when people just show up as long as they just show up ready to talk about stuff. It's when, like, people are late. That's the thing that bothers me the most when you, like, go to record when they don't show and they're up. like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like we go to record and we record at the same time every week. And then they hit you up and they're like, yeah, bro, like I'm going to be like an hour late. Like I totally forgot. And it's what? like, I understand <laughs> if you forget, but if it's something that you have done at the same time for like <laughs> four months, how exactly do you forget? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know. Odd. I think Jay, you and I, I you know I always text you like a couple hours beforehand, yeah. just as like He's a, a babysitter. just as like a reminder. But but I don't think we've ever like 
I don't I don't remember any time that you've actually forgot uh, forgotten except for maybe like you know very very early on once or twice. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. That we have a lot. Of, like Robert and I are usually pretty flex with scheduling too, because like there's there's a lot That's of times true. where we just have to Robert and be like, hey, can we push the day or adjust the time? And Robert will occasionally do the same to me. And yeah, I I agree with you though. I mean, at the end of the day, like we've been doing it for so long that like at a, every time Robert and I decide on a date, that is like in my mind until we do it, because I'm just like, okay, I just don't want to forget about this. Yeah, like, uh, so you messaged me a while ago, and I even, like, I think I hit Robert up, like, yesterday. I was like, hey, we still doing this? Like, just want to make sure and everything. And yeah. I also was so worried that yesterday was actually Sunday, that it was actually the <laughs> oh, day that we were supposed to do oh. it, that I checked my phone, like, eight times a day. Like, just, just randomly. Just make sure I was we're like, not like, where are you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the last time I tried to come on was the worst because I came on for like literally 15 minutes and then my internet got knocked oh, out. Oh, I like forgot. I remember hours. that. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so bad when That's that right. happened. And like right now, I'm just so terrified that my Discord is going to be like, bloop. And I will, I'll Where just die. We yeah. I'll kill myself. I'm telling you right now. I'll just I'll off myself right then and there because that's just mortifying. I can't do it. <laughs> well, uh, Vaughn, thank you so much for coming on. It, obviously, it's been a little while, but you're always a fun guest. So I'm excited to we're, we're both excited to have you on for this episode. 100%. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun. I love your guys's podcast. Well, thank you. We had a yeah. uh, like once every how often do we meet up, Jay? Like once every eight years, pretty much. We had yeah, something like that. One octagonal, uh, our, our octagonal King, <laughs> classic gaming podcast in person meetup. We were going to try to record, but we kind of had other stuff going on. So we didn't really get a chance to do that. But, but you and I finally got to hang out once again and uh, yep. do some camping. Eat some sloppy steaks. Robert's first time. Yeah, sloppy steaks. Robert's first time camping ever. You've never been camping no, before? No, now I have. Yes, I have. Now I have. Did you, did you do like glamping or did you actually camp like in a tent? We camped in a tent. Like we, we were like we were we had our cars right there, but we camped in the tents. Like we didn't. Yeah, that's the cars were there, but we didn't use them for anything besides like storing food in at night. The last time my wife and I went camping was a couple years ago, and like we slept in our car, and it was easily the worst experience I've ever had. I was like, "Oh, really? I wish I would have slept on the fucking rocky ground." Yeah, because <laughs> it was like that, actually, yeah. That she has hard. a Kia Soul, and it's oh, okay. just the it's not ergonomically succinct. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's like weirdly protruding in certain areas where you're like, "This is I'm gonna break my neck just sitting here sleeping, bro." Yeah. But camping is always one of those weird things. Like I did it a lot when I was a kid and then never wanted to do it again. <laughs> oh, really? You just got sick yeah, of it? Yeah, I, I fucking hate camping. I hate feeling dirty and I feel like that's all <laughs> camping is, is just feeling dirty. There is a lot of that for sure. I, I'm so accustomed to it. My, my wife had a problem with that early on when, because oh, when uh, Lisa, we've been together for like 12, 12 years now. And when we first met, she was not on board with camping. And I was really into it at the time because I had a lot of friends who were doing it. And it was so funny because at a certain point I was like, yeah, you should try. And she's like, I don't want to deal with the bugs. I don't want to feel gross and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward a couple of years. She's like, okay, I'm down to go. Like, I'm like, cool. So we go camping. And uh, after the first time, she was like, I fucking love this. I don't care how gross I am. Like, she is just like the trooper. Like, she brings like dry shampoo and like, 
you know, just goes ham and, and doesn't even care at the end of it. Obviously, you smell awful, but you just kind of <laughs> with it. I don't know. I love camping. I would go again right now if I could. Yeah, I brought, like, well, I pl- plenty of clothes to change into and all that, and then I realized, like, as we were leaving, that it basically hadn't changed the entire <laughs> two nights. I, I noticed that, personally, but, you know. <laughs> He's like, you're a little ripe. No big deal. You're a little stanky. R- ripe okay. is a perfect description, Vaughn. Actually, that's, so, that's the word I use. Cause, like, at the end of that week, uh, the weekend, because I, I uh, every day I, like, quote-unquote shower. I wipe down with, like, baby wipes and, like, you know, use dry shampoo and stuff and, like, wash my face. But uh, You and give that yourself that difference. French whore's bath? You just do the pits and the tape. Dude, you feel and so much, and I change my clothes. Obviously, I I could I cannot not change my clothes every day. I feel disgusting afterwards. Do you? Yeah, hundred percent. I I sweat more than the average person too, so I think that's the worst. The worst thing for me, I didn't feel like I got super dirty except for like because it was pretty cool. So I, we didn't get very sweaty. Yeah. Um, I guess my hands got pretty dirty just from like doing stuff. But but the main thing was. Everything I owned had the smell of campfire smoke just baked into it by by the end of the day. Like if I smelled like a barbecue by the time it was over. Just, I love just from that the smell, smoke. by the way. Do you? Uh, I, I don't really. We're, I don't really like it. We're still washing the scent out of uh, some of our stuff. Not yeah, I'm not smell, I love that smell so much. Diego I'm, smelled like it too, which is just the greatest. <laughs> I'm legitimately <laughs> surprised that you're saying you like that smell because I, I feel like. Smell campfire smell is on the level of like sand like no one likes it it just gets everywhere it's so gross that's insane are you the guy who has like a campfire scented candle i wish <laughs> not yet <laughs> i only have the fresh cut grass one right now but i'm working on getting the other one I'm trying to get okay that's a pretty that's a pretty solid smell right there that's like top five smells i remember I was at Fresh Yankee Candle buying something. It was my sister and my mom a gift like five or ten years ago. And I remember that there was a men's section. It was very masculine looking. And they had a fresh scented lawn. I'm just like, who the hell thinks like this is what men want? Men want fresh cut grass. Like, what a what a bizarre thought. Also, Buddy, funny listen, too, I'm about to light this candle right now. Do you have one? It's cedar leaf, aquatic okay. florals, sea moss, and fresh greens. That sounds like way too much for a candle. That's it sounds like the like whole forest. Speaking from the guy that wants a campfire candle. Dude, campfires are beautiful. Also, do you know what's funny about fresh cut grass too? If I if I remember this correctly, uh, that smell is their defense mechanism. <laughs> That's because we're just murdering mechanism. them, just yeah, maliciously. What is it we like? You cut, you're supposed to cut grass and then smell it and run away from it or something. I guess it's like some sort of deterrent, but I love how people are like, mm, I love that smell of the grass like screaming that it's dying. Speaking of deterrents, yeah. we had skunks wandering around very, oh, yeah. very close all night. All when you were really? camping? Yeah. Or yeah. just, oh shit, that would be the worst. There were, like, yeah. I, I heard one right outside my tent after I had gone to sleep, but we were like, we, we heard something, we, were, we had our flashlights out, and they were like... 15, ranging, most. yeah, like 15, 20 feet away, just just snooping around, just like trying to find food and stuff. And then once we, like I said, once we got in our tents, like I heard one right outside my tent, like making some little noises. Yeah, yeah they make really weird wow. noises. I, I didn't know it. I, I thought it was something else that was making like some sort of bird. But yeah, it went, it went. That's pretty good. It's really, it's a very unique sound. They're uh, a very unique animal. They just like literally fart on things to keep it away from them. Oh, dude, thankfully nobody got sprayed. And we had our uh, we had our dog Diego with us too. And I was really worried he was going to get sprayed at some point. I was I was a little concerned too. But then I was like, well, if we if we just play it cool, 
then hopefully that hopefully they don't just pre preemptively spray things. And the crazy part too, the reason that the skunks were bothering us so much is because the people who used our campsite before us are absolute degenerate pieces of shit and left all their garbage in at the campsite. Yeah, the absolute bags. pieces of shit. And they and and so the animals in the area obviously smelled it and they opened the bags. So there there was trash everywhere. We picked up as much of the trash as we could over the weekend. But the the because the animals had continuously come to the campsite for food while we were there, they were like, "Hey, we're here for our, our regular feeding," and we're like. We're here now. And they're like, oh, well, we're still going to roam around and wait for you to go to sleep. And and, and I kid you not, every night, Robert, um, I was talking to people who were with us. They were in our campsite all night. And even the night it rained, they were still in our campsite. <laughs> Crazy. I hate people. I hate people who do stupid shit, I should say. Yeah. But very selfish. You can uh, say we, we hate people. It's fine. We all we all know the feeling. <laughs> cool. I just want to be specific. I just I hate people. <laughs> By the way, your beard looks good. Mine? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I've oh, never seen you with the like. That's new, right? Uh, in the last like four or five years, probably. Yeah, okay, I've been so growing, yeah. my, growing my beard pretty consistently. Yes. Yeah, oh, you have. Okay, okay. I had never seen you with one before. I actually don't know that I will shave my beard completely off for a long time. I, I like shave it down for work. Like anytime I have to go to the office, I'll just shave it down and then I'll just let it grow. And I just do very minimal upkeep. I'm just too lazy. Yeah. You know, it's in style too. So you know, it's funny. My wife has like beard blindness, and if you ask her about like anybody that she knows, she can't tell you if they have a beard or not. That's really funny. I, I have certain things like Lisa would say comment about people's physical appearance. I'm like, that's a thing. Like I don't. There are certain things to me as well with physical appearance that I just overlook entirely, and I don't know why. Yeah. But. Welp. Want to talk about games? Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, first off, a, a little well, I guess not. It's not just tiny, but a little bit of tangentially related news. Uh, G four. Everybody remembers G four from back in the day. Of course, you guys probably also know that they recently had a revival and started G four once again. They have now shut back down. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Big big surprise. I don't think anybody really was. I mean, I'm not saying this to be an ass. But like nobody was really surprised. There's just not an audience. Not for, a need for it anymore. Not a need. You're not a need or an audience for that anymore. Like even among people who used to really like, like I, I wasn't a huge G4 fan, but there were a few shows that I really did like a whole lot. Um, even amongst people who were big G4 fans, like I haven't heard anybody who was like, "Oh, I'm so glad G4's back." Like it's just not. You know, it's kind of it was a product of its time. It was great yep. while it lasted. Times have moved on, and G four doesn't also, really fit anymore. Yeah, it also doesn't help that everyone's just sick of things being brought back to life. Like we're sick of like yeah. remakes and all of this bullshit. Like they can never let anything die. And in the midst of all of these, like just this torrent of feelings. They're like, we're going to bring back G4. And it's like, one, why? <laughs> like, we no longer, like you said, you don't need G4 anymore because back when it was a thing, it was when games coverage was just in its infancy and we basically just got to read articles. We didn't have any video content. And magazines. The monthly yeah, magazines. Yeah, that was when Game Informer was actually necessary. But, like, nowadays, 
We literally have the world's knowledge at our fingertips. We have curated content in every conceivable way just on our phones. So why would you bring back G4? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense anymore. And like everyone has been talking shit about this since it came out. I haven't yeah. heard a single person who actually enjoyed any of the content that <laughs> really? G4 put out. Yeah, no either. one. I also like... They either watched it and hated it or just didn't watch it. Like there's Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have yet to meet a single person who watched it and was like, you know what? I think they had a pretty not like they had a pretty <laughs> sweet take on this one specific situation. No, it was like, who the fuck would watch G4? I can watch my favorite YouTuber and I know that they have similar tastes to me rather than this like random ass television program that's just like reanimated to be one of the cool kids like it's just so weird i don't get it yeah i watched i saw like a clip of like one segment or i saw like a you know the full video of of, of one segment like shortly after it restarted and it was like it was pretty fucking cringy honestly <laughs> Oof. no way yeah. <laughs> no way <laughs> Uh, so and, and again, that's just one thing that I saw. It may maybe wasn't all like that, but it it like for for watching one thing and that one thing you see being so cringy. That's and you're already not really too stoked about it. Like that was really all it took for me to just be like, I don't, I'm good. To be fair, I mean, this is coming from somebody who like my family was always way too poor to avoid like to afford cable or satellite. So I never really got to watch G4, but in like since then, me watching old G4 clips and stuff like that, it's like, was G4 ever not cringy? Like when you really look <laughs> back at it, you watched it because it was the only thing, not because it was like mind blowingly good. Like it was basically this hub of just absolute shit hot takes like that's that's kind of what g4 was you know, that's a good point i wonder going back and watching it if it if it if it's any good if it if like the old stuff was any good really that's a good point uh, I, I also think I about mean, a good point too Vaughn, is is it it was a it was a vessel for information but that's what it was for me for g4 because i my parents were really skeptical of the internet at first so i i had to like find any resources possible to understand like what games were coming out and you know what games were good and whatever and that was one of the big things like i utilized that channel whenever i could because we only have one tv and i used it to understand what games were coming out and what i should be like looking forward to because there wasn't a lot of other options do do y'all remember did, did, i i assume did you you guys have watched attack of the show no i don't think so actually. no did you ever watch that i've one? watched like a little bit of it okay. not not much once again I've never met anyone who liked G4. Even was, like the, the even like, the Oh, so you didn't you didn't know anybody even who liked the old G4 is what you're saying. Wow. I mean, like literally both iterations. I've met people who have said that like um there are certain like attack of the show was one thing that got them in and made them want to make games coverage, but I don't know of anybody who doesn't look back on G4 with rose tinted glasses. Like I've never heard somebody be like, "Oh yeah, that was a revolutionary piece of media." Instead, it was just like, "Yeah, I watched that when I was a kid and it was good." It's kind of like thinking of the obvious I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but it's kind of like thinking of the old cartoons you watched as a child. Like, man, I really love fucking Dragon Tales. It's like, 
but it's not good. I will never watch it again because it's not good. And I know that logically as an adult, so I'm just not going to ruin it for myself. And I feel like that's how a lot of people are with G4 nowadays. It's like they enjoyed it then for what it was because they didn't have anything else. And now I don't think many people want to actually look back at what it was because they just realized that it was... It was pretty subpar. <laughs> Dude, the thing, one thing that, that did piss me off about it back in the day was, so Attack of the Show, I, I did like a lot. And I watched that pretty much whenever, like not every day, but whenever I was able to, I watched it. And there was this, uh, I don't remember her name, but there was a girl on before before Olivia, before like they got rid of her and, and hired Olivia Munn. Uh, and like this other girl who was, I guess she was the first, like, you know, it was Kevin Pereira, I believe it was the guy's name and this other girl for a while. And she was awesome. Like she was so good. She had like a great personality. She was energetic. She was fun. And then like they got rid of her and hired Olivia Munn and it was a thousand percent obvious. It was just because Olivia Munn is hot. And this other girl, like she wasn't, this other girl wasn't ugly or anything, but she wasn't like, you don't, you know, she wasn't like smoking hot even though i guess i wouldn't even consider olivia munn smoking hot but it regardless it was very obvious that that was the only reason that they got rid of her and brought olivia munn on and like her I, she might have gotten better but i always found her personality on the show to be very stiff and dull uh and like it is even as like a 19 20 year old male i was like so disappointed at the time i was like i want the old girl back she was more fun than than, than this one uh, like that, that just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because it was just cause it was so obvious that they were going for looks over, over personality. Uh, so maybe, so that I was reminded of that when you said maybe it wasn't so good to begin with after all. <laughs> well, the way you're describing this kind of makes me think of like how, whenever like they go to make a video game movie nowadays or you oh. hear that they're making a video game movie the director always says something completely opposite of what the game is actually about <laughs> so they'll be like oh yeah i really like Mega Man because it's like this post-apocalyptic like side never it's so cool these robots are killing people and it's like it's not really what Mega Man's about and i feel like you read the spark notes on it and you're just like yeah that's that's pretty good. Like that's basically what it seems like you're describing. <laughs> that that, 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 that <laughs> reminds me uh, similarly of like back in the late '80s and I guess early '90s when, and I mean they still do this, but I feel and maybe this is just me, but it seemed like there was a surgence of of like kids of like old classic kids stories being made into movies with like very popular actors, and they were trying to kind of like legitimize them or like make them relevant to an adult audience and it like like uh fucking hook you know the peter pan movie with robin yeah. williams like stuff like that where and it would be like oh it's a it's a classic t uh, timeless tale of you know fucking friendship or something like that you're like no you're it's i mean it's you're really just trying to make a movie you're just trying to make money. Like there isn't anything special about this movie that needs to be redone. That's going to be better with like a, with like a famous actor in it. You, you know what's funny? Lisa and I, have, Lisa hates that movie. And I love, I, that movie. I love that movie so much. Do you? It's, it's one of those things like if you mention in front of her, it'll instantly set her off. It is so funny. <laughs>
funny. That movie so much. Were you a fan of like Peter Pan beforehand? Because you said you do like that movie. I think. Um, oh, you're oh, talking, talking, talking to me. Who sorry. Are who are you asking? Oh, uh, sorry, Jay. Were you a fan of Peter Pan beforehand? Because I think you said that you're a fan of Hook. And my idea of it is that like fans of Peter Pan, they started to age. And yes, they love that old movie, but Disney's not making any money on that old movie anymore. Specifically, like unless people are buying these fucking puffy case VHSes, like oh I, I don't know. I forgot about and, those. Yeah, so they try to put out new iterations of them with these well-known older actors as their audience like ages. So, like you said, it is trying to make them relevant to adult audiences, but in a way, they're not trying to make it relevant to a new adult audience. It's just the same audience they just grew up and now they want to try to double dip they want to try to make more money that's off true. of you I, I and that's what peter. i was asking i enjoyed peter the the disney like the animated uh, peter pan movie it wasn't like my favorite thing in the world i think it was a little bit before my time or maybe my family just got it at, at a late time uh i wasn't like the biggest peter pan fan oh it was okay but i i just really we, we watched hook a lot and that, that i think that's really what it was it was just a matter of it being on at all times and it became a thing where we would just constantly quote it and stuff. Like Lisa, what are your thoughts between Peter Pan and Hook? <laughs> I'm sad we couldn't hear it. She's giving me this look right now. Oh. <laughs> nice. She you just wanna... takes an actual oh, dump. She's like, "That's how I feel." You already know. I know. I was, I was, we were just <laughs> talking about. It. I was just telling him how instantly it's one of those things that we always, we always talk about. Listen, you can like Hook if you want to. I just don't. Okay. Oh, well, that was a very that was a very responsive. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Yeah, Jay, what are you what are you talking wow. about? She sounded very reasonable to me. Where is this coming from? She's being so reasonable. She I'm being gaslit so hard right now. <laughs> you gotta love that she derivative toward hook. Oh my god. Do you wanna watch it later? <laughs> no, I don't care for Okay. She's like, it's absolute garbage. Why would it's I watch it? Why would I watch that? You're crazy. <laughs> Damn it. You gotta love that she immediately was like, you already fucking know I hate this yeah. movie, but didn't say it. And then when she got closer to where everyone could hear her, she was like, nah, dude, like, Hook, that's... <laughs> that's your thing. It's okay. It's okay to yeah. have a bad take, yeah. It's okay if you like it. There's this song that I really like that at one point in time says, like, uh, it's okay for people to have bad taste. And I was like, that's it right there. That's it. That's the example. It's okay to have bad taste. We, whenever uh, people talk about, you obviously you guys know who Imagine Dragons are, whatever we talk about, that is, that is like the quintessential band that fits that niche for, for my friend group. Because anytime anybody brings it up, it's like, yeah, I really like Imagine Dragons. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, you do your thing, but. I mean, everyone who says they like Imagine Dragons, I feel the need to ask, like, <laughs> do you like the Imagine Dragons that put out Radioactive? And then it just got like incepted into your mind that you must like this because it was in literally every commercial <laughs> or do you like the imagine dragons that for some reason was on the stage at the game awards and like sung a song that vaguely interacted with bastion for like no reason that was like what <laughs> was that last year that was it was like oh no yeah it was the most just the biggest bastardization uh, of a soundtrack I've ever seen. And it was like, Jeff, I get it, guy. I you're you're whatever. I don't care how I feel about you. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I think Jeff Keighley is honestly a charismatic black hole. Like, I don't get why people like him so much. 
I just, I never have. He's just seems so dull to me. He's like the Sheldon Cooper of games media. He's just, <laughs> I don't get it. But I feel like the game awards has just become this thing where he's like, let's try to get the biggest names in here. We oh, got to get question. green day one year. We got to get imagine dragons. And it's like, bro, imagine dragon D's nuts across your stage. Like I can't <laughs> fucking deal with this shit. And I love bastion, but this is the worst thing I've ever seen. So, so a couple things on that one, if you haven't watched arcane, they do the intro for arcane, which is the worst part about the entire show. If you haven't watched arcane, by the way, that show is incredible, but the intro is another Imagine dragons. Two, they are big gamers, the the band, or at least the lead singers. I don't know about the entire band. They did a, a song for uh, Riot for League of Legends at Worlds one year and sang it live. It was really uh, cringy, but oh, uh, uh, you don't deal. say. Yeah, it was. It was pretty <laughs> no <bad>. way. <laughs> you, you probably heard it on the radio because they played on the radio a lot still, which is just insane. But yeah, it's a good meme. <laughs> I love that. Imagine Dragons is like. It is the meme. I feel like they have survived not because they're a popular <laughs> band, but because they have ridden this meme to cult status. You, you ready? I'm gonna, you ready for the same vibe 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Nickelback. That's the vibe I get from oh, Imagine Dragons. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Anytime I think about it, I'm like, Nickelback. That's that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, every time you cringy. look at yeah, you look at every time you look at a picture frame, you have to think of. Oh, oh my god! Do you know what's it's on just... Joey's head? Do you actually know what's on Joey's head, Von? No, is what's on what? It's a trophy. It's a trophy. Oh. What's a, what's a trophy? Uh, the, the song at one point he says, "What's on Joey?" or "What the hell's on Joey's head?" and it's a trophy. Yeah, that's the line that immediately goes after the famous meme of "Look at this photograph." He's like, "What the hell is on Joey's head?" It's yeah. the. I actually unironically liked Nickelback when I was a kid. And then I watched, I believe there's a movie fi called Fired Up. It's about like two teenagers who become cheerleaders so that they can uh, fuck chicks. I don't know. And um, <laughs> in it, they made fun of Nickelback so hard that I just, I stopped liking it. You I felt like, embarrassed. You're like, I'm not supposed to like them? Yeah, basically, like, I felt like I, just watching this movie, I felt pressured to not like Nickelback anymore, and I feel like it somehow incepted the idea into me that Nickelback was not a good band, and now whenever I listen to their music, I'm like, it's not good. It's just not. <laughs> I was just... And, and at the end of the day, like, do your thing. Like, if people like it, you know, if it if it's your thing, 100%, enjoy the music you enjoy, but please don't put it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my only ask. I was looking up some pictures just now because I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of the band. And, Nickelback or uh, Well, either, but I'll, but Imagine Dragons was what I was oh, looking at. God. And e evidently, the guy performs without a shirt on. So Yeah, he, got, he does some really cringy that. shit on stage. Unfortunately, I watch a, I watch a lot of uh, esports relating to League, and so they do a lot of like live performance for them. And um, every time they come on stage, I'm just just muting it and turning away because I just cannot hand it. The, the, just like the dancing and like the interaction with the stage, it just, it makes me physically uncomfortable. I actually cannot watch it. I, think I mean, I have to ask though, you're talking about them going on shirtless. Like they cute boys though. They shredded because if they are, I'll listen to fucking imagine dragons. I don't give a shit. The guy is that reason alone. Uh, <laughs> Let's guy, go dude. I think it makes it more, more cringy that he is pretty ripped. I'll give him, I will say that. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, if he's got those cum gutters, like, I'm out. Like, I'll listen to Radioactive every day of my life. Like, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> cum gutters like might be my belt. favorite term in the last five years, by the way. The first time <laughs> the I heard best. that, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, of course. That was the funniest <laughs> shit in the world. It actually killed me. All right, I feel like however shitty the Rick and Morty... Sorry, I'll be done right after this. I feel like however shitty the Rick and Morty fandom has made the, like, show... It has just there's some absolute bangers oh, that have come out from Rick oh, and yeah, Morty. Yeah. It's just I agree. There's some good shit. But I'll I'll let it go. We can move on. No, that's fine. I was just hoping it wasn't gonna be any I just had I just have to stop talking about Imagine Dragons is the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm actually gonna explode if we talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay. Let's go let's talk about some video games now. Uh, uh how about I guess Jay, why don't you go first? Sure. Okay, uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I played Ring King for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Ring King. Have you have you guys ever heard of this game? No. So Literally I, I awesome. And I was actually I had I had not either. And so it's interesting. I've been talking to people, uh, like some of my friends and stuff, and just asked them, like, hey, what are some like underrated games that you recommend that I should try? Uh, for the Super Nintendo. Because, you know, obviously there are a number of really strong titles for the Super Nintendo, one of the strongest libraries in history. And obviously we all know, you know, the top 50, top 100 games. So, All right, hold on real I quick, asked, real quick. I looked up Ring King Super Nintendo and all I'm getting is an NES game. Are you sure this is... Oh, sorry, it's it's regular Nintendo. I'm sorry. It's Nintendo, it okay. Nintendo. Sorry, I, yeah, my emulator is an, is an NES, uh, SNES emulator. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I've been asking people like, what are their what are the thoughts? Like, what are some underrated games? Um, and there were two recommendations that were given to me. One was called. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna pull it up real quick because I actually want to talk about it. While you are pulling that up, please, please look at this. Uh, oh no, what happened? This is a video from the game. Okay. Um, oh, is this the is this is is this the trainer? I think so. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna love. It. Oh my god! No, I, pulled, I was gonna pull this up. That's tell me what the fuck is happening here. Hit, I I just hit pl or like click the link because it takes you to the timestamp and then yeah. Really? Uh, so this is so this uh, when that happened. <laughs> what? I was like, Am I? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. So so the other the other game. Th this is what I was gonna. <laughs> are you well. seeing? Wait, hold on. Have you? Are you seeing this? Are they blowing those dudes? <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, I, I love uh, I love the commentary by the way. All right. Well, let's Jay. You can explain in a second. Sorry. Go back. You you yeah. you do your thing. So so uh, so I was asking my my friend group uh, people that I hang out with and and the other game that was recommended. Have you guys ever heard of Boogerman for Super Nintendo? This is legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. never. Yeah, for Boogerman. Okay. Have you guys ever played it? I thought it was a Genesis game. Was it? Maybe it was on both. <laughs> it probably was on both. I, I I could not play it for more than five minutes. I wanted I wanted to die. That game I was don't so know if awful. I don't know if I've I remember it. I don't know that I've ever played it. I think the entire design of it is just to be like gross and inappropriate. You're basically a yeah. booger and you have like a burp mechanic and you can throw boogers. And it, it, I played it for like five minutes. And I was like, I just cannot do this. Like this game is just, and also it had, it had the same issue that um, Lion King had where like some of the platforms were not as wide as they visually looked. So you would jump to a platform and just fall through or like yeah. a piece of the platform and fall through. So, okay. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, so I played Ring King for the regular Nintendo, which was uh, one of my friends recommended. He said, you know, he ran this game a lot um, and that I should give it a try. So I tried it. Uh, and this game is actually pretty fun. It's, uh, well, 
Let, let's talk about the elephant in the room first. So there is a, I, I don't know, you're welcome to tweet this out. Our, our listeners are probably very confused that we just had an outburst of what is this, but we haven't actually described what we've seen yet. Yeah. So, so in between, if you, if you picture Punch-Out, for those of you who play Punch-Out, when you're between the, the rounds or when you're getting into the rounds, um, you know, there's like that dialogue and, you know, you kind of have like a, a couple seconds before you go into the next round and you start your fight. Well, in this case, between the rounds, your trainer... Uh, for whatever reason, is in a very compromising position, what looks like giving dome to the boxer. It looks and it, like 100% exactly like it is just the trainer giving the boxer a blowjob. Like, yeah, even the way the it, boxer's moving in response to his motion, like his head's going back and forth, and the boxer's like kind of hunching over every time he does, like... there, There is just no way <laughs> that they didn't know that. Right, the, the, I feel like there's just no shot. That what is like, supposed oh, to be shit. happening? Do you know what it's supposed to be? I, I don't know. I I actually don't know. I just, just assumed it was like pumping them up between, between the round. I don't know, <laughs> bro. Some they're just they're supposed to be giving them that slobby knobby. What do you mean? Yeah, he's That's trying to get his hype back up, Robert. Come on. <laughs> Don't yeah, they're him. like the fluffers of <laughs> the, the fluffers like, of boxing. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have loved if they just leaned into it and the boxers like put their hands behind their head <laughs> and oh, just God. lean back. <laughs> they, 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 they tilt their head back. Yeah, they're just like obviously <laughs> enjoying it too much, and the developers are like, "It's uh, they're getting a foot massage," and they're like, "Sure." Like we are Something's not ex- getting massaged. We're not exaggerating for anybody who can't pull this up right now. Like there is no explanation for what it should be. It looks one hundred percent exactly like this. <laughs> yeah, when I got to that, uh, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I was just really <laughs> confused. Like I was like, "Am I just really like I- I'm immature?" But like, "Am I really that immature?" And then I showed my house, and they were like, "No, that's fucking insane." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> as long as it's not just me, I am okay with that." <clears throat> so. Uh, but yeah, so that happens. So, uh, Ring King, um, this is a very interesting, uh, you know, it, it's bizarre because this game is almost a more, like a more in-depth punch out. So the actual boxing mechanics are pretty fun. You, you know, obviously in punch out, you could strafe to the right or strafe to the left to avoid getting hit or back up to block and then you could swing. Uh, in this game, you have this mechanic where when you use the the D-pad and you move to the left and move to the right, your character actually moves a quarter um, of a clock face around your opponents. You're basically circling them. And you can use this to avoid getting hit. So if the boxer's going to throw a punch at you, you can move to the right. Uh, they will also do it too. So it's like kind of like this dancing thing, almost like almost like real boxing in that regard, where you're basically like moving around each other, trying to get in good positioning. And when you're aligned with the opposing boxer, that's generally when you take a strike and you try to do damage to the person uh, to knock them down. And this mechanic is really fun. It is surprisingly interactive um, and it really kind of keeps you on your toes. The one cool thing about it too, is you can actually back up as well. So one of the things I was doing to a lot, uh, when I first started playing was, Anytime, um, I, I, anytime I had space in the ring, I would back up, and the second they would move forward, I would strike them. And then I would just back up again and keep doing that. And then if I got close to a corner, I would circle around and just keep doing that. And I would basically just kite them around the ring until I could knock them down. Surprisingly, really fun. And I was impressed that the mechanic actually works well. There are some things you can do to it. Obviously, when the boxers are just about to be realigned, when your opponent moves, you can strike them, and uh, you can consistently do that. And it's kind of a cheap way to, to get shots in because the AI doesn't know how to react to that piece of it. The AI is surprisingly good. Uh, they actually know how to interact with the mechanics pretty well. They are uh, 
somewhat challenging, especially when you first start playing and you're trying to figure out the mechanics of the game. Uh, you do have stat points. So there's a couple different modes. There's training, tournament, and I can't remember what the third one is. But the training mode is basically like a camp campaign, if you will. You basically uh, are training against other boxers. And every time you complete a fight, you get stat points. And you can put the points into either speed, stamina, or strike. Uh, speed, obviously self-explanatory. The more speed you have, the faster you can strike, the faster you can move. And it is very noticeable. When you get your speed high enough, your boxer moves super, super fast. Uh, stamina obviously allows you to hit more, and then strike allows you to do more damage. Now, they are also generally leveling up, I'm doing air quotes as well, so you're not going to be able to like overstep them entirely. At a certain point, you do start to get to a point where you're, you're outpacing them in terms of levels. I, I know it's so weird to talk about this in a boxing game, but you start to outpace them heavily um, to a point where you could basically win any fight in the training mode pretty quickly. The training mode is definitely not the most fun part of it. Uh, the tournament mode is really fun. So the tournament mode, you get nine stat points to put into your, your character, so between speed, stamina, and strike, and then you basically play in a best of uh, until the end until you try to clear it and win. The other boxers, a couple of cool things, their visuals are randomized. So they could have they have random hair color, skin color, uh, and so it's kind of cool. Oh, the boxers, neat. you will get some repeats, obviously, because there's only so many options, but at a certain point, or at the beginning stages of it, you see a lot of unique boxers. As well, their stat points are randomized. So they might be all stamina, or all strike, or all speed, and so you have to somewhat adjust to that now nine points is not a ton in this game so it's not extremely noticeable but i will say when the characters get like all stamina or all strike it sucks because when they have nine stamina points or like eight they are so tanky and if they have like nine strike and they hit you it hurts and you're you take a ton you have a life bar you both have a life bar um I don't know how the knockdown mechanic works, but if you take so much damage in a row, you can get knocked down. Uh, and I, I believe a knockdown just makes you take more damage on your life bar. If your life bar hits zero, you basically get knocked out and then you lose the fight. If the fight goes the distance, uh, I believe it's the person with the most uh, most landed hits uh, wins the fight. And if there's okay. some reason there's a tie on that, I think it goes to like health or something. I That only happened to me once and I think it was based on the fact that I had more health that I ended up winning against the other person. Uh, and so this game does have some replay replayability to it as well, just because of the fact that each every time you do the tournament mode, the other boxers have random stats, so you can basically work around and, and just... And you can also try different things yourself. You can put all your points in speed, all your points in stamina, all your points in speed. Stamina was the most boring, because you're basically just like, oh, I'm planning to get hit, I guess. The strike one was really yeah. fun, because you're slow, but you hit really hard. The speed was the most fun. Being able to move quickly and strike really fast is really fun in this game, especially when you can do some pretty cool combos. There are actual combos to this game, too, and to some extent. Oh, wow. You have, like, your standard jab... But if you do like, if you walk towards them and hit jab, you'll do like a special punch. If you press up as you're walking into them, you'll do like an uppercut. You have a couple different uh, combos you can actually do, which was insane to me that this game actually had it. And the uh, power punches, they're not super easy to land, obviously, because you have to get really close to the person, but they do a ton of damage. They do a significant amount of damage to where, in a lot of cases, if you land a couple of them, you probably win the fight if you just play safe and just more or less do what I was talking about before, where you kite them around the room. Um, this game doesn't have a, a game save mode, so you have to use the password system, which kind of sucked. Uh, I didn't have too many problems with that after the first time I just did a, a save, uh, save state using the emulator, but man, the codes would be really annoying. I, apparently I was reading people saying that in order to like load your file, you had to put in your character name that you used and the code for it to work properly. I, I don't know if that's like actually huh. true, but if you made your name anything lengthy, you would have to type it in case sensitive and then do the code, the passcode case sensitive, which as you can imagine on the regular Nintendo, those save state codes are usually really lengthy and super annoying to type in. Wow. 
and I think that was it. Uh, oh, they made a mobile version of this game later on. I didn't even know. I, I was reading about that as well. Check. Like, like, an, like, a, like iOS? Uh, iOS Android, I guess. Let me see. Wow. I bet it sucks. I bet you it sucks. Four <laughs> stars. Yeah, I, I just couldn't believe, like, uh, you know, Punch-Out is a very fun game. Obviously, very notable. This game's, it almost seems better than Punch-Out. It, it just seems like really? a more in-depth Punch-Out to me. Yeah, because Punch-Out was like, I don't know, it just felt very simple, and it was all just about memorization and timing, uh, except for, obviously, the last fights, which were generally randomized in Punch-Out. I, I don't know, like, I, I wonder, I, I honestly wonder if I would have played this game before I played Punch-Out, if I would have enjoyed playing Punch-Out. Because I feel like I would have just played this and be like, no, this is a... I would think this is a better game. I would love for you guys to try this at some point and and like share your opinion you're, on it. You're saying you're saying Punch Out is more less about like combat and more about just memorizing a pattern. Is that kind of what you're? Yeah, yeah to some okay. extent. I can and, and also like and also like the the movement, being able to move around the ring is pretty. It's a fun mechanic to interact with. Yeah. And then also the fact that you get stat points is cool. Like uh, stat points are always fun. You know, getting stronger, building a character, sure, yeah. investing in it. You know, all that stuff is really fun. Uh, it just for me those extra levels. I'm surprised they never heard about this game before. That 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 was the other piece of it. When I when my friend told me about, it, I was like, yeah, like you know, another boxing game. Is it going to be good? Surprisingly, it's actually a pretty fun game. Cool. So. That's that is kind of surprising. I find it especially odd. Like initially, when you said that everyone's kind of heard of Punch Out, but not many people have heard of Ring King. I was like, oh, maybe it's because they played punch out first and then they were basically like oh i already have yeah. a boxing game but i mean punch out came out like two years after ring king so it's it's kind of odd i guess hmm. punch out does have the the major draw of like it's mike tyson's yeah, punch yeah out. that's true actually but it definitely does like the way you're describing it ring king does seem like it's a lot more fun because punch out just kind of has that like static nature where you're just dodging punches and yes it does have those few unique fights where like basically your opponent just teleports around the ring and you can't do shit about it but once you figure out how to beat them it seems like it's pretty easy like it's it's pretty one note like you said is just figuring out a pattern but ranking it actually looks difficult. You have to pivot around people, otherwise you're gonna get your shit rocked. Like it's very interesting. Plus, it's got this sweet beach moment, and it's like I don't get how this isn't a cult classic. It doesn't I cannot make any believe sense. we haven't talked about this before, Robert. I, I'm amazed this hasn't come up from somebody. Yeah, I actually, I am too. Like I don't. That yeah, that is really surprising that this isn't like a well-known thing because it is so blatant in yeah. how it looks. <laughs> I thought you appreciate it. That was just for you, Robert. I thought you'd enjoy that for oh. camping. So, <laughs> thank you. I I'm starting to wonder that. what happened on your guys's camping trip. Damn. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> things. You're like, yeah, it's kind of like Vegas. We don't talk about what we did in camping. <laughs> it's true. That's right. Uh, okay. Awesome. Is that all? Is that all you've got for this time? That's all I got. All right. How about Vaughn? We'll go ahead and uh, let you. We'll, you, you can be a Vaughn sandwich. Oh, okay. So I basically every time that I have come on this show, I tried to like play something that I had never played before that was kind of a classic. And this most recent time, I was like, I have to do that same thing, but I want to play it in its original form. So, because I've always wondered, like, do you guys play on emulators or do you play on the consoles? Uh, I predominantly play on emulators. Yeah, Jay mostly plays emulators, and I play consoles. 
the I mean the con like I don't blame anyone for doing one or the other or like I don't think one is less than the other, especially because a lot of these pieces of software now are just like so hard to find, let alone the fact that like the hardware is kind of just getting old and falling apart. Like it's pretty hard, but I have I've had a PS2 for the longest time and I went through a craze of buying just basically like game collecting and i ended up picking up katamari damasi years ago oh, but nice. i have actually yeah i've literally never played it i've i've heard about it josh loved it they put out i believe it's uh katamari damasi re-roll or something like that they they put out the re-release on nintendo switch not too long ago and i was like you know what? I'm going to play this damn game. I'm going to pick it up. I, well, I already had it on my PS2 shelf. So it's like, I'm just going to pick it up. I'm going to play it. I'm putting it in my, in my PS2. And like the best thing I can say about this game, just right off the bat is this soundtrack slaps. So, so Oh hard. yeah, it is awesome. It's so amazing. Like, I don't know why, but it's just like that. No, 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 no. It's like, Oh my god! I literally sat there on the start screen for so long just listening to it because I was like, "Why hasn't anyone told me that this shit slaps so hard?" Uh -huh. I just, I don't get it. Like everyone's talking about how nonsensical the story is and how weirdly eclectic and fun it is, but I'm like, "Bro, this is the one game where I'm like, let's get this fucking soundtrack front and center. Like, I will buy this soundtrack. It is so good. But aside um, from that, I, I played the game on my PlayStation 2, and initially I wasn't 100% sure if it was just me or, like, maybe my controller, because I, I haven't actually used my PS2 a whole lot since I ended up buying it, but the controls in this game are so annoying. They're a little fun. I, yeah, I don't know how they work. It's like, I played this game for hours and I still found that I was like, can I just turn the ball, please? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just getting so fucking sick of this. And it's just, I, I got so annoyed and it tries to teach you, like it goes through this tutorial early on that I swear it's like, let's teach you some advanced fucking moves. Like, this is how you speed up your ball. And I was like, I I don't know when I'll ever need that, but okay, like, sure. Teach me how to speed up this ball right before I get into it. And while playing, I was like, dude, I just want to avoid these fucking cats and snails. I'm getting so pissed that I have like half of the required amount for the king of the cosmos to come and fucking take this ball. But instead I get whacked by a cat because I can't turn It's pissing me off so much. But eventually I did kind of get the hang of it, even though, like you said, they are a little fucked. So it's and like, it's, it's just for the listeners to explain it. You can pick up whatever I'm leaving off, but how I remember it is. So you've got the two, like joysticks and you have to use you have to push both of them forward or back to move forward or back but to turn you don't like push them sideways you have to push like if you want to turn right you have to push back on the right one and forward on the left one it's kind of like you're moving the left side up while moving the right side back and that's how you make a right turn kind of yeah it's it's basically exactly like that you constantly have to like it's okay so have you ever um this is kind of like a weird aside, but have you ever ridden a bumper car that uses the like sticks before? Oh yeah, dude. 
It's exactly like that. That is how you control these is that you have to imagine those sticks, which those are so fucking fun, by the way, because you just <laughs> spin in a circle and just gat people with your like just 300 mile an hour spin. Like it's insane. But um, that's exactly how the controls in Katamari work. And it's like eventually you do get used to it but right off the bat when you are a modern gamer and you're used to one stick controlling the camera and one stick controlling your actual motion it's so off-putting i just i was like how the fuck does this work i can't deal with it and eventually i kind of got into it i was jamming out with the soundtrack and everything and then my second big issue arose which is that my ball my katamari is so fucking gigantic but i can't pick up shit and it bothers <laughs> me so much i'm like bro the gating yeah, yeah it's like i have this ball that i swear to god is the size of like my head it's gigantic i've got a melon head and you're telling me that i can't pick up this cup like what the and you just <laughs> bonk into it and i'm like I can't see the cup over my ball. My ball is bigger than this fucking cup, dude. Let me pick it up. Like, it's just so annoying. But then eventually, you do get your Katamari bigger and bigger by picking up these small and smaller and smaller objects. And then you can pick up the ball. And then you're like, fuck yeah. Then you pick up those cats that are always pissing me off. Oh, and I'm like, you're yeah. a piece of shit. And you just get to watch them like tumble around like they're in a water, like in a dryer, just on your Katamari. And I'm like, ha 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 ha. But if you pick up a an oblong shape, like you pick up a ruler, for instance, oh, but yeah. you don't pick it up from its lengthwise, you pick it up from its edge, it ends up like making your Katamari just do this weird hitch step, like it has a limp. It's yeah. so weird, so varied, and so fun. Like once you get past how odd and obscure the controls are, I feel like actually playing the game is incredibly fun, even though it just doesn't make any sense like if you told somebody that the most interesting part of playing this game or that the the concept of playing this game is that you roll around a ball to pick up trash i don't know how many people would find that interesting to be honest but it is weirdly fun doing it and then you have the added aspect of this just nonsensical story about the king of the cosmos just flying around like he's basically doing the cosmic equivalent of drunk driving and just obliterating all the stars in the night sky and you <laughs> have to as the prince like have to repopulate the night sky yeah. with actual trash like it's so weird and i really really love it and then you just constantly have these like there's these weird interludes of they're almost like weird north korean propaganda cartoons oh these, yeah oh like, yeah that, is, that really is what they're like <laughs> And they, they're just so odd and it's like this kid being like mom i'm telling you right fucking now there was just a news broadcast about how there aren't any stars in the sky. And the mom basically just gaslights this kid and is like, no, nah, you're stupid. Like, shut up. <laughs> Obviously, there's stars in the sky. There always has been. And like, it's just so odd. And you constantly get this drip fed story about what's happening on Earth. And you are this prince who's just like picking up garbage to satisfy the king of the cosmos. And he's like, 
oh, I got you a present. Like, oh, I was in Guatemala the other day and like, it's so dope. I was hanging out with the homies and everything. And you're like, one, I don't know how no one realizes that you were there. Like, I, do you disguise yourself as a human? Like, you look so weird. Mm-hmm. Or do people just think you're cosplaying? Like, I, I don't, is this like, the ep- like is this like the moment in Thor where the knights three like walk through the town and everyone thinks that they're just cosplaying? Like I don't I don't understand how he would do that. But he's like, yeah, I was there and I got you a present. But like he's just this weird like absentee father. He's like the stereotypical cool divorce dad <laughs> where he like is so focused on his own life that he forgets he has a child and he's like, you know what? I got you a present, but like me and the homies were like, we were in the club, we were bopping, we were like beating the beat or whatever. I got my dick sucked and then like, I forgot your scarf in Guatemala. Like, it's just so weird. (laughs) And he just acts like he's doing you a favor by letting you fix his mistake. I don't know. This game is so weird, but so fun at the same time. And I'm actually like... I wish I would have played this when I was a kid because I feel like it would have changed my life. But as an adult, I'm like, honestly, it's kind of annoying, but I get it. Like, this is, I just wish I played more games as a kid, especially weird ones like this, instead of like playing fucking Blitzball in Final Fantasy. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, that's. That's pretty much all I got. You got mad respect for Titus and Blitzball, dude? Oh my god. You just gotta laugh it away. You gotta laugh it out. Laugh yeah. it out. Just like the guys yeah, on Ring gotta... King. <laughs> exactly. Oh god, That's yeah. exactly what's happening. That's what they're not telling you is they're just they're telling them a joke. It's just oddly close to their zipper. Well <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bond, did you beat uh Katamari? No, huh? Oh. I, I don't think if like most most classic games annoy me just enough to where <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I will be able to ever finish one, which sounds bad, but it's just like I uh, it's kind of like how Josh talked about how he can never go back to a game. For me, often enough, it's like I can't go back to a time in games where things aren't the way they are now. Like there's something that I will find annoying about it and I will just fixate on it until I just can't play it anymore. And in this instance, it probably, however, however much I grew to enjoy the, the controls, eventually I think I would have just got pissed and put it down. Plus I've been spending a lot of time doing my long horizon script for that East Kai guy. So yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play games, but I needed to play something. Nice. So, so you obviously you had a good time with it. Yeah, it was fun. I do with like classic games. I do often have a lot of fun with them. It's just, I never know if I'm going to complete them. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Cool. Well, yeah, it's a solid one. And uh, like you said, the soundtrack is amazing. There's a, one song, not the intro, but I, th- I actually looked it up a second ago. I think I, cl- uh, I think it's called, Lo- I think it's Lonely Rolling Star is like so, so good. Like the soundtrack is genuinely awesome. Yeah, it's probably, I'm, I feel like I'm not going out on a limb here to say it's like probably one of my favorite soundtracks in a video game. It's so good because it's just so weird and fun. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, Katamari Damacy for PS2.
And uh, we'll move on to me. I've got two games to talk about. One of them is uh, not a classic game, but we've been talking about it. Unbelievable. <laughs> You're pulling a J? Is that a J thing to do? I did that one time with uh, Reseteer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, mine came out this year. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Okay. that's It's Return to Monkey Island. Uh, so for probably obvious reasons, I'm giving this one a pass and I'm going to talk about it, uh, because he didn't it's... ask for my approval, just so everybody else <laughs> Just so everybody knows, I didn't know about this. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a huge ma- uh, fan of the Monkey Island series as, as most of our listeners probably know. And this, uh, newest installment in the series is kind of particularly noteworthy because it's the first one that the original that Ron Gilbert the and and others other members of the original team uh have been involved in since the second one so it's it's every every Monkey Island fan was pretty excited about this game because of that uh as i said this just came out like a month or two ago and uh it picks up it's more, it's more or less like it actually, I don't know exactly where in the timeline it takes place. It kind of picks up after the second one, but I'm actually unclear whether it's supposed to, the, the way it works is it's Guybrush telling a story to his son about this adventure that he had. So, so I think the way it is, is the adventure that he's talking about took place after the second one. But like the outer story of him telling the story is it that takes place after all of the monkey islands, if I understand correctly. Um, the the premise of this one is so like I said, he it's kind of a story within a story. He's telling his son about this adventure and and the inner adventure is the is the one that you're playing. It's the you know ninety percent bulk of the game. And this particular story is about when he, went when he when he sought the secret to when he when he went it to find out what the secret of monkey island is that's kind of been a long-running thing amongst the monkey island games that the original one was called the secret of monkey island and but and there's plenty of stuff involving monkey island and all that in the in the game but it never really discussed or even brought up what the actual secret of monkey island is and that's kind of been a question among fans for like a long time is, okay, but well, what is the secret of Monkey Island? This game, he goes to figure that, to find, to, to discover what that secret is. Um, the, the last, so I said, this is the first one that Ron Gilbert has been in charge of since, since the second one. The second one was like, I want to say 1989. Uh... I'm going to look it up real quick. So it's been, so it's been like what, 30 years since, since about that time. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a long time since then, obviously. Uh, so yeah, Monkey Island 2, LeTruck's Revenge came out in, oh, I'm sorry. I was off a little bit. 1991. Uh, so, so 31 years later, is my math right on that? Yeah. Yeah. 31 years later. The question is like, is this going to like, how similar or different is this you know so much time has passed how different or similar to the originals is this going to be uh does does he still like have the the kind of 
the humor and the story writing chops that he used to. And honestly, the answer to everything is yes, absolutely. It really, really very strongly lives up to pretty much everything you expect from the Monkey Island series, which was a big relief and also just tons of fun for me playing it as a fan of the original games. Um, the only thing that's really notably different is the art style. Um, a lot of people, I love the art style. Yeah, I do too. I think it looks honestly really great. Um, there, there... Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like, I would say probably guacamelee nights and bikes. Like yeah, that it kind is of kind of a like, thing. Like, yeah, you could see why Devolver Digital got well, like we're interested in this project because the art style is very similar and in the same vein as a lot of stuff they publish. I think that's the best way of describing it, how you just did. Um, a lot of people did not like it when it first when they first like showed gameplay footage uh, and like so much so that like Ron Gilbert had to shut down comments on his personal blog because people were just being like complete dicks about it for some reason. I really don't, I really don't get why people were so mad about it. Like it honestly looks like Vaughn said, like really damn good in my opinion. Um, I guess people just wanted the old pixel art style is, is my best guess. Um, and I, that would be, Fair. Uh, sorry to interrupt. To be fair, I feel like a lot of what you might love about a game is an art style. You get very attached to it. It's it's kind of like uh, the things you remember most about, like your sense memory come sure, from yeah. the sense of smell. I feel like the sense memory for video games is that art style and what it was like to look at it first, because that's pretty much like humanity's dominant sense is sight. And I could definitely see why such a large departure from what made the Monkey Island series. Well, I don't know if that made it popular, but from what it looked like initially, because all of the games kind of look similar to this. I could see that being very jarring, but I assume people got over it pretty quickly. Yeah, I, my, I don't think anybody... I, I really don't, I mean, I don't know who was really complaining in the first place. I know a lot of people were. I don't know if this was just a case of like, you know, the trolls coming out and being louder than everybody else or whatever. Um, so, but, but since it's come out, like I haven't really heard any more complaining as far as that goes. I don't know if those people just, just gave up complaining or if it was more a matter of like the people who didn't like it, like they just left and weren't interested and didn't, you know, engage with the game. I don't know what it was. Whatever the case is, I haven't been hearing much of that anymore. Really, all I've been hearing is pretty much just people agreeing with me that like, wow, they really did a great job with this. They, they really upheld everything that made the original series awesome. Um, the story is fun. It's like just the, the like one of the awesome things about the original Monkey Island games is, is it does have good gameplay. The puzzles are challenging. But on top of that, it's like an actual good like fun adventure story. Like the story itself is fun and neat. And they did, and they, they just did that again. They gave you a fun pirate adventure. That That's like game, even gameplay aside, it's fun to go through and, and see all the things that happen. Um, the humor is like indistinguishable from the, from the humor of the original two games. Like it is the exact humor that you expect. Uh, so that that's awesome. You know, you're not going to be like rolling out of your chair laughing, but like tons of like stuff that I 
really did find genuinely funny. Like there's just, just as an example, and, and maybe you'll find this funny, maybe you won't, but there's a, you go back to, you start, the game start, well, once you get into the story of finding the secret of Monkey Island, uh, Guybrush goes back to Melee Island, which is where the very first game also begins. And you're, he's going around and like checking out all the old places. And there's, there's a bunch of new people. Like some of the people that you remember from the old one are gone and like other people are in their place. But there's this one guy who is still there and he's this really old guy. And you're like, wow, you're still here. <laughs> and the guy goes, yeah, I was declared a historical monument. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just like got a huge kick out of that. Again, I wasn't like holding my sides, rolling on the floor laughing or anything, but like, I really appreciated just like these funny little, like just simple little one-liners that, that kind of happen all throughout the game. Uh, the puzzles are, so the puzzles I actually found on the whole a little bit easier than, than the original games, especially for like the first half of the game. It's usually, usually pretty clear what you need to do. Like you're, there are relatively few locations starting off and also relatively few items. So whenever you do come across some sort of puzzle or some, something that you need to get past or, or find or do, it's usually pretty clear because you're like, well, there are only so many things. Let me look what's my inventory. Let me look at these locations. Okay. Yeah. This, I probably need to take this thing and give it to this guy or, you know, use this item on this part of the environment or whatever. And I, and I kind of actually wonder if that was on purpose because I found that as the game opens up and as you get farther, there are more and more locations. There are more and more items that you acquire in your inventory and that's kind of when it starts getting a little bit more difficult because you can't just, you know, you can't just look at your inventory and you have like one key and there's like one locked door and you're like, well, okay, well, obviously this is what I need. It it gets more complex because you, it's not, there are, there are, you know, more combinations of things that are possible. So you don't know what might be the thing that you need to do. Um, there are, there were two or three times where I got pretty stumped. Uh, the rest of the time, even on like the more challenging ones, it was, I felt like it was pretty well balanced where I might've not known what to do right away, but eventually just from walking around and clicking around and thinking about it, I, I would eventually figure it out. One thing that's really helpful is, so this does, so this game does not use the verb interface that, that kind of everybody is so nostalgic for in the original ones where you have the little box at the bottom of the screen that says, you know, open, push, talk to, use, look at, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's pretty much right click or left click. I forget which is which, but one of, one of them just kind of looks at the thing and he kind of says something about like, you know, just looking at it. And the other one is use the thing where if it's something that he can use, then he'll use it. So if you, I think it's left click does something. So if it's a door, if you right click it, he's like, that's a door. And if you left click it, then he'll go and open the door, for example. Um, one thing that they do that's that's really nice from a usability perspective um, is when you have an uh, uh, like an item in your inventory, if you are, there are times where you need to like, you know, use an item on another item in your inventory. Uh, and in the old games, what you would do is you'd find the item, you you take the one you want. If you think it's something that you might need to use on something else, then you would 
click on it and then you know you have that item selected and then you click on the other thing in your inventory that you're going to try to use it on or combine it with or whatever and then either it works and he combines them in some way or he says like no i can't do that or you know some kind of generic like oh no that wouldn't work type message in this one to make that process like easier and just a little bit less annoying if there's something that you're trying to use it on and it and it's not going to work it just puts an x over it so you don't have to click on it, go through the process of click on it, listening to a message about how it's not going to work, then go find it again and try it again on something different. You just you just know just from hovering over it whether it's going to work or not. When you're again when you're using stuff on your on on your own inventory. Um, the voice. Act, I, I want to ask you on yeah. the 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 change in the the verb um, setup. Did that was that to your preference or do you think? Like, I guess a lot of the updates, were you okay with some of the quality of life adjustments or were you really wishing for them to revert back to some of the older older pieces? No, I think all this stuff is really good. Like, I think if they had gone full nostalgia and stuck with the pixel art style, then it probably would have been a good idea to also just keep the old verb uh, interface. But really, like, that was not a very efficient way of... of designing the controls for a game even back then because there's there's no sense in like say I walk up to a door am I going to open the door or push the door or pull the door or use the door or close the door or talk to the door or look at the door or walk to the door like it's obvious I want to do one thing with the door right so it makes sense to like consolidate all the all those things into like one button where which is basically <laughs> a use button like use this in whatever way makes sense if it's a if it's an item if if there's like a cup on the table that i want to pick up it doesn't make sense to have the option to push it or pull it or close it or open it or talk to it or look at it or or pick it up it's pretty obvious that i just want to pick it up like i don't want to walk up to it and push it you know so it makes sense for all that to be really consolidated just to one button which is do the sensible thing with this thing okay that makes sense and, and another thing that that does is it gives you more room to have like the game, like, you know, the, the screen of the game had to be smaller in the older ones because the bottom, like 20% of the screen or so is, is just interface is just interface stuff. Now you can ho- use the whole screen for the game and you don't, and it's not taken up by all these buttons that aren't really necessary. Uh, the voice acting is honestly like really, really, really good. I thought they did an outstanding job with that. Um, just the, like I said, the, there, there are a bunch, like the, the way the, the story is told, it's, it's a fun story. You end up like, you know, obviously it's like in the Caribbean, but they do a good job of creating like different types of places for you to go and see. Uh, you're on a ghost ship at one point, which is, which is always lots of fun. That's like a significant portion of the, or that's a, that's a pretty major part of the game at one point. Uh, the, so the ending is, I, I'm not going to spoil anything about the ending, but what else, all I'll say is there are like, I forgot the exact number. I think there are something like 18 different endings you can get. Um, and it mostly depends on if I if I remember correctly, it, it pretty much depends on stuff that you do at the very end of the game. So you're not going to do something at the beginning that's going to give you one ending or the other, or you're not going to like miss something or do something like halfway through that's going to change the way things turn out. It's 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 pretty 
directly tied to the actions that you take at the end of the game, which influences how the game ends. Um, I think... I'm trying to decide whether I should say anything. I, th- I think I'm not going. I'm just not going to say anything else. I was ha- I, I personally was was happy with the way it ended. I thought it ended very well. And also, what's really neat is there is a uh, scrapbook. So, like in the menu before you start the game, there's a little scrapbook that you can go through, and it's like Guybrush's scrapbook of his adventures. And what it is, it's a way to catch you up on the story of everything that's that's happened in all the Monkey Island games in case you haven't played them or, you know, just in case it's been a while and you've forgotten exactly what happens in all the games. So you're going to flip through that to get a re- quick, it's like very quick, quick refresher on, on the story before you play. After you finish the game, there's actually, he says, something, it says something like, oh, there's a, there's an envelope at the end of my scrapbook and you go back to the menu and you look at the scrapbook and there's actually a letter from the developers of the game talking about like w- like what this game means to them how important it is to them and this kind of Dang. stuff it's is it's really really fun to read uh and for especially for you know people who grew up on these games like sure. longtime fans it was really honestly kind of moving uh to read that like I, I really appreciated that it was it was really awesome that's really cool so uh i mean honestly this game is it's pretty much a 10 out of 10 for me. Like I don't, I don't see anything. It lived up to all my expectations. It didn't really have any problems. Um, And they, they, they 100% perfectly captured the feel of the original games, which I think is kind of the, the, the biggest thing. So amazing game. If you are a fan of the monkey Island games, if you have not played a monkey Island game, I would recommend, I mean, you can go into this one. Like I said, it's got the scrapbook that'll catch you up on like what the story is, but I would recommend playing the first two at least first um before you do this one you'll have a lot better you'll 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 enjoy it a lot more if you've played the first two before you play this one so return really to monkey, cool. yeah return to monkey island it was honestly just awesome it's it's so it's so refreshing to hear that because you know obviously when they we were talking about this before with movies but like a lot of times when they re- they've resurrected series or you know movies or whatever it is they're usually uh not great. So that's a that's a huge win in my yeah, book. it's it's yeah, it definitely wasn't a given. I, I was very optimistic. Uh, you know, I had faith that the original team was gonna do a great job, but you like you said, you you really never know what what yeah. to expect. Um, especially with you know, Thimbleweed Park, which uh, was Ron Gilbert's like return to the point and click genre, what was that like four or five years ago, I guess? Yeah. Um that one was also very exciting for old point and click adventure fans. And I, that one for me did not quite live up to the expectations. Like it had a few things that, that just didn't really work very well for me. So in the light of that, I was like very excited about this, but I was also thinking about that and trying to like temper my expectations a little bit, you know, like sure. I, didn't, I didn't know if it was a sign that maybe like times had changed too much or whatever. But no, they 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 nailed it with this one, and it it's they made it just like the old ones, and it turned out fantastic. So it's honestly everything you could ask for. I'm really happy for you, Robert. I think that, that, that's really cool. I know that probably means a lot to you. So yeah, it kind of it kind of does. It was it was it was really neat. Uh, my other Honestly, one, I've got... go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to say one thing about uh, Return to Monkey Island is that I the way you're talking about it is it sounds a lot like uh, that it is 
very reminiscent of the old games, which I find pretty insane because people's tastes change and like especially creative people, their tastes change as to what they want to make. And humor is also something that is very fickle. Like the world changes quickly and so do you personally. So to hear you say that like the the comedic timing and that the humor is very similar to what it originally was and this is like 20 or so years after i find that pretty insane and i think that that should be celebrated because i imagine that i i don't know it's it's very hard to continue to be the same person that you were before and not get jaded by so many things so the fact that uh, I think you said his name is Ron Gilbert. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The, the fact that this person and the original team behind it haven't changed so much so that they wanted to do something vastly different with this series is, is pretty insane. And I think that that should be celebrated. Yeah. Actually you put it, you put it better than I, better than I could have. Yeah. I, I think I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I mean, take like, uh, I. this is obviously different, but take like God of War, for example, a lot of like the original people or a lot of the early, uh, a lot of the early team on God of War came back for the most recent games. And oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, there are like several people that were involved with the originals and it's very different from what it was before and more often than not that is what you see with people who create these series and then come back is that like their tastes have changed they became a father which would is what one of the things that happened with Corey barlog but like they things in their life change to where the things that they create are vastly different and I just find it amazing that that didn't happen with this. And that's that's pretty awesome. I don't know about Thimbleweed Park. I didn't play it, and I'm honestly not like a huge point-and-click adventure fan, but maybe they were trying to do a different kind of story not in the vein of Monkey Island. I don't really know. Not something I wanted to bring up. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I think that's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a really great time. Um... Yeah, with Thimbleweed Park, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but there were two main problems that I had with it. And and overall, I did like the game, but they did a lot, a lot, a lot of inside jokes, like referring to old point and click adventure games and and specifically like some of their old ones, which is like fine. I do like the occasional like throwback to this or that. But it was just like filled to it was just like filled with them to where it like kind of became distracting. You're like, oh, yeah, I get it. There's another there's another joke. Let's 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 move on. Um, and then there yeah, were it's like nostalgia baiting. You're yeah, like, I get it. Almost kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was also like weird kind of continuity things like where. There was one part where you would like so you would switch among it was a game where you switch among characters and like pretty much freely whenever you want to play a different character you, you can and and one of the characters is a ghost who doesn't have like any like re- relation to the other characters that you're playing but you would have to use this ghost to like manipulate things in the environment to help out whatever the other characters were trying to do but like there was no reason 
for the ghost to know like, oh, I should do this. It was purely like the player knowing like, oh, I need to unlock this door so somebody get it, could get in, you know, so somebody can get in for, you know, this, that's not something that actually happens, but just for example. But, you know, if you're like from the story perspective, there's no reason for the ghost to randomly walk over and unlock this door. You know, it was like little things like that. Yeah, um, it's like meta gaming and Dungeons and Dragons. So like you're it just kind of takes you out of the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, but yeah, so that those were kind of the things that I was a little bit concerned about. But this really didn't fall in it, into any of those traps. It just kind of nailed it all the way through. So it's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, you had another game you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, my other one is Resident Evil 3 Nemesis for oh. PS1, came out in 1999. I've been kind of on a Resident Evil tear lately and uh, decided just to go ahead and pop in the third one. So this one is uh, Jill escaping from Raccoon City. Jill Valentine was, uh, as you probably know, is one of the uh, two character, one of the two main characters from the first uh, Resident Evil game. And my understanding is the timeline, uh, if it gets a little bit weird if you start looking at specifics, but it more or less kind of overlaps a little bit with Resident Evil 2. Um, but I think is more like on the tail end of Resident Evil 2. Uh, and then like a little bit after that, but it is not really too relevant cause you don't really, cause you don't, I don't, you don't like cross paths with people from resident evil too. Um, so you are Joe Valentine. You're trying to escape raccoon city after all, like the shit that has gone down with, you know, everybody turning into zombies because of the, uh, umbrella corporations experiments. And that's pretty much it. There's like not really a whole lot more to it than that. This one, where so the first one took place, of course, in a mansion. The second one took place primarily in a uh, police station. This one takes place kind of like throughout the whole city. So you're you're spending a lot of time running down alleys and streets and and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously there are buildings that you go into as well. There's like a restaurant at one point. There's a hospital at one point. You do actually go into the part part of the police station from the second game uh, for a little bit and close to the beginning of this one. Um, and really there's not a whole lot of story in this one. The two, like the first two, I thought that was kind of like one of their strong points is they did a good job of mixing in the horror and like the, you know, the action and the puzzles with a pretty good story. This one, like not a whole lot happens story wise. Like there is some stuff, but it's more or less just like, yeah, just keep trying to escape and see if you can get out of the city. Um, one of the, I guess, kind of the gimmick of this one is there is this giant monster named Nemesis who's after you most or, you know, th like periodically throughout the game. And if you think of if you're familiar with Mr. X from the second game, he's this big guy who's very scary and he kind of eventually like starts chasing you throughout the mansion Whenever you come across, like you'll randomly come across him and he does kind of like a, not a slow walk, but not a run either. Just like a very determined walk towards you, which is, you know, really pretty frightening. And there's very, very little you can do about it besides just run away. Like you can shoot him if you want to waste your ammo and it'll slow him down, but you can't, I don't believe there's a way to kill him. Um, so he does that kind of like slow walk at you and scares you in Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 3, Nemesis is kind of the antithesis of, of Mr. X. When Nemesis finds you, he just like 
books it, hauls ass at you. He's like running, swinging. Sometimes he has a damn rocket launcher <laughs> that he's shooting at you. It's like they just decided to go the complete opposite direction and just have this guy that just goes balls to the wall trying to kill you every time he sees you, which is, it's pretty fun. Like, I think the Mr. X thing is a little bit more effective, but you, but given that you kind of, you can't really do that twice. Otherwise it gets repetitive and everybody would just say like, yeah, they just did the same thing again. They did a good job of like switching it up and be like, all right, we're going to do something totally different. Even though it's not quite as cool as Mr. X, like it's, it's still pretty neat and pretty frightening when you do come across him. Cause you're like, Oh shit, this guy is just like hauling gas at me. Like I, I can't really sit here and think about what to do. I just either have to start shooting or running from him. There are also, there's another thing that this game does where there are times, and a lot of them are when you actually are, are certain encounters with nemesis, the game will kind of like pause for a second and you have, it'll give you two options, like two choices. And it's like, you can do this or that. Do you like one of them is the, like the very first time I think you come across Nemesis actually you get it. Like it pauses for a second and you can like run or try to fight him. There's another time where you're on a bridge and it's like, you either try to push him off the bridge, I think, or you jump off the bridge and try to run. And you only have like, it's kind of like, t- it's kind of like walking like telltale walking dead style where you only have a few seconds to decide. So that adds like a, a bit of like tension to making the decision. Like you have to kind of think through like what you think is best in your head really fast and then just like make a snap decision. So those parts were kind of fun. Uh, other than those two things, like it's really more or less just the same as uh, the previous two Resident Evil games. You're fighting zombies. Your ammo is pretty limited. Your your healing is somewhat limited. Um, and you're trying to like find objects to unlock this and that door to get, you know, to, to progress through the game. Uh, you know, like find a, find a hose to hook up to the hydrant to put out this fire so you can walk to where the fire is, like that kind of stuff. Typical Resident Evil stuff, you know, find this, uh, I don't know, like find these gems that you put in these like impressions in this rock thing. And then you do that and, and they open up and, and give you something, which it does get silly sometimes because there's one part where there are these um, like fountains. I, I forgot exactly how it works, but like there's these fountains and you got to put some some like emblems in the fountains or something like that to get them to stop. And then you get something from that. And then there's like this statue outside the police. I don't remember exactly where it is. Like outside the police station or outside the governor's mansion or something like that. And you take what you get from that and you run over to the statue and you like insert this into the statue. And then like the statue like opens up and there's a car battery in it that you can take. And you... Like you just happen to need this car battery to start like a train that you're trying to, <laughs> that you're trying to get running. Like who, like what was the thought process originally? Like somebody might need to have a spare battery to get a train running. So I'm going to make a elaborate puzzle and put this car battery in this statue for them. Like to find if they ever need that. It's like, why, why is this, why is this thing hidden in a statue in the first place? It doesn't really make sense, but that's kind of, that's kind of how all the Resident Evil games are in that respect. Like, there's no reason that that most of these things are hidden in the ways that, that they are. I almost think it's, I almost kind of consider it like a running joke. Like, at this point, like, how in, like how ridiculously things are hidden just throughout the world, throughout the environment. 
Um, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff. There is so the the game actually uses the you can tell it uses the same engine as Resident Evil Two and One, which is kind of funny because it should have been pretty dated by now, but they're still using it. Uh, you still have like the like the exact same inventory screen, all that kind of stuff. Like obviously the control, you know, you still have the tank controls and all that. It it, it still even uses the ink ribbon system, which I don't remember when. Uh- I don't remember when they give that. Does Resident Evil Four use that? Like now, I'm wondering. I don't. I didn't think I remembered it, but now I'm questioning whether maybe whether maybe it does. Do either of y'all remember? Oh, not on my head. Um. Anyway, I was kind of like blow. Like I was like, for sure, they're gonna realize by now that it's not really fun to have a limited number of times you can save. Just let me use the typewriter when I get to it. But no, it still uses the ink ribbon system where. To save your game, you have to have an ink ribbon in your inventory that you can use on the typewriter. And, you know, of course, there are limited numbers of the of those in the game. Therefore, there is a limited number of times you can save your game throughout a playthrough, which is not really conducive to fun. But but at the same time, they, they kind of handle it well, like just like they did with the second one, where there are plenty of ink ribbons throughout the game. So it's unless you're really saving like a maniac, it's not going to become a problem. Like I probably used half of the ink ribbons that I found throughout the game. So it's not really an issue. It's just kind of an annoyance, especially because every time you save it, that means you got to go over to your storage chest, get the ink ribbon out, go over to the, uh, go over to the typewriter and save it. And then when you load your game, the ink ribbon stack. So that, so when you got it out of the chest, you probably actually picked up a stack of, you know, three or four. So that means when you load your game, you got to go back to the, to the storage chest and don't and drop off the ink ribbon. So it's not taking up space in your inventory because inventory space space is very precious in this game. Just like it is in the other ones where like you can never quite carry all the stuff that you want to at one time. So it does have that, but it's not the the rest of the game is good enough that that's just kind of a minor annoyance and and doesn't really take away too much from it. Um, Overall, I thought it was still really good. Um, the The environment and the scenery and all that, it, it wasn't as creepy to me as the previous two. Running around a city wasn't quite as scary as kind of being in these con- more confined areas like a mansion or, you know, like a, a police station where everybody is either gone or been turned into zombies. Um, but they still did a really good job with it. I don't think it's as good as the second one. Uh, I mean, I guess it's, Technically, it's better than the first one because the first one really does have a lot of problems. But at the same time, it, there's also things that it doesn't do as well. It's not as frightening as the first one. The first one, like I feel like the developers really learned a lot just based on how much better the second one is from it. So, yes, if you're comparing it directly, this one's better than the first one for sure. But it also kind of like is a little bit safer than the first one where I feel like they don't take quite as many risks um, there aren't many, uh, boss fights, which is not necessarily bad because resident evil boss fights are historically not that great, at least not in the, in the original games with the tank controls and all that. So that's, that's, that's fine. That's kind of just more of a note than anything else. When you, when you beat the game, you, you don't get to play through as a, there's, there's not like a second character to play through as, as there are in the first two, but you do unlock a different game mode called mercenaries where, which is kind of like more just like action base like get to this point to that point as fast as you can and here's like a machine gun to help you do it i th- i think oh wait there is a cool thing where 
when you play mercenaries, you like you like rack up these this kind of currency, and then you can use the currency to buy like these badass weapons for if you do a new game plus, then you can start the game with like these these with these awesome weapons that you unlock from playing mercenaries. That's kind of neat. One last thing, which is kind of weird, is when you start the game, you get two choices, easy mode or hard mode. And like... Nothing in between. Nothing in between. The question is, of course, which one of these is like, you know, normally you have a normal, normal yeah. which is like, this is how it's meant to play. If you want more of a challenge, pick this. If you want less of a challenge, do this. This hard and easy is, you know, it would have been nice if one was normal and hard or easy and normal. So you would know which one like is the way you're meant to play the game. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up. Hard is how the game is meant to be played. Okay. If you, if you start in easy mode, then it starts you with like the full arsenal of every gun that you find throughout the game. <laughs> you start what? off with those. <laughs> That's crazy. Why? Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of silly. But just as a note to anybody playing it, hard mode is is normal, basically. I do have to ask, since we're on the, the topic of difficulty modes, are you guys uh are you guys fans of the idea that like games should be played in the way that the developers intended? So it would be like yeah. playing on normal or in this game specifically playing on hard that if you wanted to review or anything, like if you were going to do coverage about a game, you need to play it in the way it was meant to be played. That's a good question. So I, so I hear two different questions. Actually. One is, sh should it be played in the way the developers intended? And the second one is, should it be covered in the way that de the developers intended? Yeah. Um, I think I, it's not something that I've given a lot of thought to besides, besides I think most of us agree, play it however you want to play it. Yeah. As yeah. far as coverage goes, maybe lean more toward, I might, I would probably lean a little bit more toward play it, whatever they intended. Um, but then again, if they given you, if they're giving you all the options, then maybe you should check out, you know, those, at least all of them, at least a little bit of each of them to kind of, if, if you're really getting a full coverage of what the game is, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of just thinking off the cuff right here, but what I think is most to me, what is most important is to know which of these is the intended way, because that's how I want to play it. I want to play it like whatever they, whatever they intended. Yeah, me too. But then yeah, I mean, some games can be drastically easier if you, if you choose like the easy one, like how you're saying it basically gives you every gun possible and seemingly <laughs> yeah. a little pacifier. Cause they're like a little baby back bitch. <laughs> like it's yeah. I, I definitely see why you'd want to play things on the recommended mode, because like you said, normally there's an easy, normal and hard. So you, you have the rough estimate. Have you guys ever played Wolfenstein? Yeah, yeah, it's got like a hundred difficulties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Wolfenstein is so interesting in the way that it gives you like, yeah, this is the hardest and you're not going to have fun. And then there's like, this is the easiest. It's mostly for story, but where it's like in the middle is just perfect. Yeah, I mostly just find asking people how they like to play games or what difficulty they like to play games on is just like, it's it's a very interesting conversation to have because I don't know. It's it's mostly about like 
do you enjoy playing the game as it was intended or playing the game as a power fantasy? And it's just one of the weirdest signifiers of gaming, I guess, hierarchy in a sense. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't have any problem. You know, there are people out there who are like, no, nah, don't like, you can't play it on easy. Like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> bad for some reason. Like, Yes, there are people like that. I'm. I definitely. I think uh, once again, I think most of us agree that that's kind of silly, and people should play games on whatever difficulty they want to. For me personally, playing a game is is I kind of approach it the same way as like watching a movie. Like I don't want to watch the shortened version of a movie. Maybe occasionally I will want to watch like the super extended version of a movie if it's one that I've seen the normal version of and I really liked it. Um, but generally I want like whatever the original intent was or what, maybe not what, what the creator's intent was, I'll say. And which is, you know, obviously typically normal mode. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to ask, you were talking about being on a resident evil kick. Have you played the remakes? I have played the second remake. I thought it was badass. I just <laughs> started my, actually my friend Mike just bought me the, the remake of the first one. Uh, and I just started playing that this morning, actually. And it's, it's very, I've, I'm only like 30 minutes in, but it's great so far as well. Nice. I, I yeah. When you were the third one, third remake yet. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about like the weird hidden compartments with a car battery, I remember that <laughs> being a big discussion when the uh, number two remake came out. Cause they're like, why the fuck are there these weird contraptions in a police station? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, to be fair, they actually do somewhat dis uh, explain that. Like, they talk about the uh, the chief of police being, like, really eccentric and, and, like, loving all this weird art stuff. And for me, that kind of opened the door to, like, okay, maybe this is just, like, a weirdo guy who thinks it's fun to, like, hide things in these esoteric ways or whatever. Um, but it still doesn't make any sense. It's just kind of like... I feel like they're kind of almost just like acknowledging that. Yes. Like they're they're The reason for putting that in is not so much to explain it as just to acknowledge that this is all kind of silly and stupid. Yeah. They're like canonically, this police chief makes all of his patrol <laughs> units do a scavenger hunt to find their <laughs> equipment every morning. <laughs> That's perfect. Like, and it's the, again, it's the same in every resident evil game in the first one. You like find, gems to put in a statue and then it gives you like oh this is where i keep my revolver <laughs> like you know like just stupid I'm, shit like that the first one is slightly more believable because it's in a mansion and you're like sure. oh okay i get it but it's like this is a public service <laughs> building i don't understand yeah and everybody but yeah those are every password to everything you ever need is, is written somewhere in somebody's diary, just open and, and like ready to be found. <laughs> yeah. They all have the worst memory humanly possible. Like it's just in none of them have it just stored up in their memory palace. And instead they're just like, I got to write this down and tape it to the bottom of my shoe. You're yeah. like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is. And for me, this, this battery in the statue was like, the quintessential Resident Evil moment, like dumber than anything else I'd ever found in a Resident Evil game. Yeah, it's like this was the greatest treasure this person <laughs> could find. So they're like, got to put in the statue, got to keep it safe, <laughs> keep it secret, keep it safe. And you're like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much exactly right on the money. So uh, yeah, Resident Evil Three, super solid game. Like I said, I thought Resident Evil Two was amazing. This one isn't as good, but it's still really good. So if you like Resident Evil, give it a shot. Um, we got some emails, gentlemen. You ready Excellent. for them? Are you ready for them? Yep. Did you grab Jeff's as well? Uh, I have pulled it up. Yes. Perfect. Just want to make sure. Yeah, he just mentioned in our CGP chat that he uh, sent us an email. So first, we're going to go with uh, I, 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 he gave, I think he told us his name in the last one. It, this, it was this guy who wrote in for the first time last time. Uh, he signed it, your friendly neighborhood mailman. I don't remember what his actual name is, so we're just going to call him mailman number two uh, because he says, hello, gentlemen, mailman number two here. You hit the nail on the head about the fuck you. Okay, that was in reference to the last email. And to continue the and to continue the theme, I believe in episode 14 you asked for an email from the future to let y'all know how it turned out. <laughs> That's funny. Oh no. Long story short, don't come. <laughs> Blizzard Blizzard did some dumb shit, then Activision did some dumb shit, then Active Blizzard did some dumb shit, then CD Projekt did some dumb shit. Oh, yeah. Long story short, there's a lot of dumb shit flying around. Bring a poncho. In more current news, I did not mean to offend with Monkey Island and Tactics. I'm not sure. Do you remember? I don't know what he's, what he's referring to. I don't remember that. Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what I simply meant is after 150 episodes of a podcast about Monkey Island and Tactics, including 10 episodes... Uh, at the in at the beginning, that was clearly an an identity crisis involving Metal Gear Solid. I am going to play. I'm going to play them both. Okay, I, I don't know what he's wow. talking about here, but he's going to play Monkey Island and Tactics is the important thing. At the end of if the day, I remember correctly, I think they wrote in and asked for recommendations of games they should play, and they said not to say Monkey oh. Island or Tactics. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. which of course we're going to do that. Come on, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Vaughn. That being said, at the end of this email is an attached thesis about how Jay should play Metal Gear Solid 3 if he hasn't already that Rob can read aloud if it pleases him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump to the bottom. This is his thesis, by the way. Um, Jay, play game, game good seriously. Oh. Well, since you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, still not probably not going to happen. On that note, I am somewhat shocked to find out I have apparently stretched my retro gaming legs more than I had thought. I have played and completed almost every game mentioned between the three of you on the last episode. Oh, that's cool. However, wow. however a few of them however a few of them have made their way to my list. Uh Good. I th- I think I'm going to start with one of the Paper Mario games or Earthbound. Rob mentioned Ooh. his yeah. Rob mentioned his go-to are DOS games for the most part. Have you heard of ExoDOS? It's a preservation project by a team of people that started out as a single person with the goal of collecting and preserving in a hassle-free, playable state every DOS game ever released. They use LaunchBox for this and are up to 7,200 DOS games at the time of writing. If you look into this, I will warn you, it takes up at this point nearly every inch of my one terabyte portable SSDs. Uh, or SS, SSD, I don't know what, why there's an extra S on there. This is a project I have followed for many years and it's worth looking into. Josh mentioned his go-to being mostly uh, CRPGs. I despised these growing up and opted for RTS games. 
uh, CNC, I am ashamed to admit I skipped StarCraft. Uh, JRPGs and Sim games, mostly Maxis, due to the, to a lack of patience. However, I bought Divinity 2 when it got Ooh. its deck ready badge on Steam and have subsequently fallen in love with them. I plan on playing through as many CRPGs as I can find. Jay, Jay mentioned JRPGs. After I moved into CD-based consoles, they were these were my bread and butter growing up. I missed out on almost all cartridge-based JRPGs. From how it sounds, I'm lucky yeah. to never have touched eight. And again, ashamed to admit yeah. I never played seven. I think he's talking about Final Fantasy. Eight yeah, and seven. yeah, yeah. I assume as much. Anywho, on to my question to you guys. I'm afraid it is more of a current gaming subcast topic. It seems to me that you both liked the old Saints Row games from statements made in earlier episodes. I believe a couple of them fall into the classic category at this point, four being released in 2013 and three being released in 2011, two in 2008, and one in 2006. At one point, I remember you guys stating it had to be 10 years or older, and at one point it was stated that it had to be released before 2005, so clarification as to what your current standards are would be appreciated. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty set on it twenty it two thousand five and prior, correct? Yeah, that's, what our... that's pretty much what it's come to. I think the reason we say ten years or older was because like we started in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, yeah, which, which is still crazy. But uh, yeah, we we've pretty much stuck with two thousand five or earlier. And I do want to say as well, please, I would love to hear your thoughts on Divinity. I cannot stress how good of a game that is and I, I love to hear people talk about it, especially if it's your, you're going in playing it blind for the first time it's just an incredible game with a really really fun story and just interaction with the world and everything about it so i'd love love to hear your thoughts on it crpgs are just when they're done well they're super super engaging did you vaughn i i, I kind of remember this coming up with you guys and if I remember correctly, it was you kind of left it pretty open as far as defining the the games that you cover with IndiePod. You never really set a solid definition for what constitutes an indie game, right? You kind of just more or less like what felt like an indie game, like just from the gut, more or less. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah. So the the what we decide well i guess we never like you said we never really decided any specific way to of what constitutes an indie game for us because since we like it's it's very similar since we had started the podcast and like what meant an indie game before then was so very specific but then since we started the podcast it became so obtuse where it yeah. was like so many different ways to get a game off the ground and there were things like uh ub art titles and there were um like ea had their own like kind of indie division so many different places started having these independent game divisions where like it still matched what would feel indie like very reminiscent of these older indie games where they were much more personal and they felt like love letters that we included those so yeah we typically when it came to indie pod we typically had it as if it feels indie to you it is indie like we were sure. trying not to kind of keep anybody or gatekeep what exactly indie games were because right now 
Indy just makes no sense because there are certain people who don't believe that like games published by Devolver Digital are indie games because they're not independently published. They're just independently developed. And it's like, why be annoying about it? Just yeah. enjoy the games. Like we're obviously not including these AAA big budget titles because that's just insane. But that would have been we hilarious if it- one of you was like, I really feel like, the new Call of Duty game is an indie game. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know for a fact that somebody would have taken it there. Like, it's just stupid. So somebody's going to take it there. But we did, I think on our 100th episode, we had a special that it was just like, define, like, give us your definition or definition of what an indie game was. And we just kind of played it by ear with whatever title, whatever came. We were like, do we feel like this is? Do we feel like it isn't? But... Yeah, having a very specific definition of what things are is so difficult to operate by. (laughs) And especially for that, like, it's very easy to say, okay, our cutoff is the end of 2005. But it's much more difficult to be like, well, if the game costs more than one and a half million dollars, then that's the cutoff for whether it's an indie game or not. You know, like (laughs) something ridiculous. Like, it's pretty much impossible to really set a definition for that. Yeah, especially when you have things like Kickstarter or Fig or all of these different services where it's like some games get popular on there and they make millions of dollars. Can we never talk about Hollow Knight because it made a shitload of money? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So we were pretty fast and loose with what we used as indie, but it was also just like, why not? Nobody's talking about these games anyway, so why not include them in our podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, he, sa- he says he wants to know what our opinions of the Saints Row franchise as a whole are, including the new one, and what do you like or dislike about the various games and why? I don't think we've... Jay, you and I have like played the third one third pretty much. Third or fourth one? Yeah, we probably played for like maybe a total of like two or three hours. I, I wouldn't say I'm like... They're fun. I mean, it it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto with Jason in my mind. It, they're they're fun games, and it was it was really nice for something for Robert and I to play together. But it wasn't something that I was like overly interested in. So I'd say it wasn't a great game or anything. It just didn't draw me in. Yeah, I I did play all the way through the third one, and I thought it was hilarious. Um, but I didn't. Pl- I haven't played the ones before. Like I haven't played. He he must have just misunderstood us because I haven't. I really haven't played much of the franchise outside of that. Like I've. I tried, I forget, I forget if it was one or two, and like after 30 minutes, I was just like, no, I can't do it. And then I played a little bit of the fourth one, and it just didn't grab me either. Really, the only one that I've played basically is the third one. Um, so, uh, yeah, and he says, and as always, have a great rest of your day, your friendly neighborhood mailman. Thank you, mailman number two. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Great email. <laughs> All right, this one is from, uh, here we go. Mailman number one, Jeffrey, is how he signed it. <laughs> Jeffrey says, hey, bros, I, re- I really enjoyed the uh, Final Fantasy IX talk. Something that stood out in that game for me, both for better or for worse, was the character design. I thought Quina and Freya looked bizarre. Zidane and Dagger also looked a bit off, but the, a- but the artists absolutely nailed Vivi's iconic look. Yeah. Steiner and Amaranth were also favorites of mine. I thought Amaranth looked bizarre too. Like I couldn't even quite figure out what was what on him. I'm with you on that. Um, and I don't think I can talk about how much I liked Beatrix without coming off like a creep. <laughs> let, 
let's just say schwing. Well, I haven't heard <laughs> schwing in a it's long time. <laughs> Everything with Ico looking like a little girl, but lasting, but lasting after Zidane made me very uncomfortable. Oh, I think oh, you meant lusting, yeah. but lusting after yeah, Zidane. Yeah, you did mean lusting. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that, was, that kind of weirded me out as well. Yeah, that was pretty weird. Uh, it's an up and down game, but the end storyline, leveling and ability system, the UI and the overall gameplay made it a high tier Final Fantasy for me. Um, on, on a side note, this is me talking. One other thing that I forgot to mention when we talked about it is I felt like, you know, we did talk a little bit about how annoying Zidane was, like in particular, like how he just won't stop hitting on Dagger the whole game and it really gets yeah, it's like a little creepy, it, creepy and just like, okay, I, I get it. Like this is. The same line you've said a hundred times. Let's just move on. Yep. But also, even outside of that, I felt like he had very little. I felt like he was one of the least interesting protagonists in a Final Fantasy game that I've that I can think of. He, he started off strong. It's, it, it, I, I feel like in the beginning of it, I, we were getting some pretty good character development. But I agree with you. It did kind of sputter for a while and, and fell off as well. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Jeffrey says I also really liked Triple Triad. I think wow. he's. I think he's talking about. I think he's talking about Tetramaster. That's what yeah, whatever the card game is. The first time I played it, it didn't fully make sense to me. But before I replayed it, I took time to understand the rules and it was a ton of fun. Not as good as FF8's card game, but still a blast. Yeah, okay. He's talking about Tetramaster. Yep. FF8 That's was fair. triple triad. Rob's no homo story reminded me of something that happened with my son Sam a oh, few no. weeks ago. Sam is seven and in second grade. One night at dinner, he said in a completely flat tone, what does fuck mean? <laughs> oh my God, what? <laughs> my wife and I were dumbstruck. We were like, where did you hear that? He said it was older kids. We just told him it was a very, very, it was very, very bad and not to say it. He said, but what does it mean? I said, it's like saying dang, but just way worse. <laughs> then two days later, my older son runs back to my room and says, Dad, Sam just said the F word. So I come out and get very upset. But Sam says, Dad, I didn't say fuck. I said the other F word. <laughs> uh, I love how he's like, I didn't say fuck. I was like, Sam, dude, don't say that. You can't say that out loud. Presumably, he just said fart, which my wife doesn't like. Kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was My mind went multiple places other than that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know. When you said the F word, I was like, ooh. Yeah. We're... What's she talking about? <laughs> Not cool. Oh, no. I do have to ask, Jay, do you have kids? No. That's what I thought, Rob, but you do, right? Yes. I have a 14-year-old. So, yeah, I'm in, in January, my daughter will be born, and I have this thing, and it's like, it's... It's similar to your story, obviously not because she's literally not born yet unless I'm looking <laughs> into the future. But like I made a promise to myself of like two things. And I, I'm kind of wondering if every parent does this is just like they make promises to themselves so they won't be like their parents. But my parents left me alone literally like all the time and just constantly broke promises and like shit like that. So I told myself that I will never break a promise to my daughter, which just means that I'll be dancing around the word promise for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I'll just never actually make a promise. And the other, everyone sticks on this. Whenever I talk to anyone about being a parent, they like this upsets them in a weird way. I refuse to lie to my daughter. 
about anything. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and everyone feels like that's very weird, especially when it comes to like the idea of Santa Claus and stuff like that. Mm. They're like, you're going to take all of the like all of the magic out of the world. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to try to show my daughter that there is magic in the world and it's not made up like it's real. Oh, that's a good response. How do you actually. feel about that? I, for, I yeah. personally don't have a I, I do. We, we we went with the Santa Claus thing until she figured it out on her own. But I don't think it's wrong to say, no, we're not going to do that. I would rather just be straight up with her. Yeah, like, basically every parent I talk to is like, you're going to have to lie to him. And I was like, I really don't feel like I need to. <laughs> Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, My parents lied to me about it. And then when I asked, they lied even more, which was great. So... <laughs> I don't know. I actually wonder about that a lot. Like there, there are two things that I've talked to a lot of parents about. One is like, you know, Easter, Christmas, all that kind of stuff. And the other one is, is religion. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, if you don't get your children to church at a younger age, which by the way, crazy that you go to church, Robert, once again, I'm just to let everybody in. Like this comes up probably once, once a year. year. Probably. And this happened on our trip when I saw him like, Jay, Jay's like somehow it comes up that I go to church and Jay goes, really? You go to church? I didn't know that. But we have the same yeah. conversation every single year. <laughs> it's like, that, that's average. how much you mean to me, Robert. <laughs> that, that's how much you mean to me in the back of my mind. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've had a lot of those conversations with people over the years. It's always interesting to hear different people's takes on it. There, There's another good one too, which uh, one of my coworkers, uh, her son was 15 or 16 and he had a girlfriend and uh, the mother and father found out about it and they were like immediately like we have to put a stop to this like you know you know you can't have a girlfriend blah blah blah, blah. and i was like really like you, it, don't you feel like they're just gonna like you know do it in secrecy and she's like oh we'll figure it out blah blah blah, blah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, in my mind i'm like 20 years from now when your kid's not calling you on your birthday this is the shit that costs it yeah i also <laughs> like how confident that they are that they'll just yeah. know and they'll be able to figure it out which, which is well that insane. means they're probably monitoring their phones and shit which is a whole nother story. maybe yeah uh, I don't know a single parent who knows everything that their child does, but like every parent will tell you that they do. And it's like, bro, I, there are so many times when shit comes up with my parents that I'm like, oh yeah, I did this. And they're like, what, when? And I'm like, bro, y'all thought you were on the ball, but you weren't. Yeah, that always kind of blows my mind. It's a little weird. My, My parents tried the thing where it was like, you know, no locked doors in the house. They can come into your room anytime they want to look through your shit. And like, uh, that lasted like maybe three months and then they kind of realized how fucked up that is. So yeah, to give your children no privacy. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I basically like, like I said, as a kid, I felt like I was lied to a lot and mm-hmm. that a lot of promises were broken. So I was like, I'm just going to try to not do that and try my absolute best to be a good parent. And like, we'll see what happens. Not that I'm judging anybody else for like, like how you said that you were the Santa Claus thing. You talked about it until they were old enough and they discerned it on their own. It's like, yeah. And it's just, I want to try to not do that just because I feel like, I don't know. I'm hoping that it will foster this idea of like, finding the answers on your own or finding the amazing things about our world because me specifically i'm somebody who is a kind of obsessed with escapism and it's like i don't necessarily want that to be my daughter's life so i don't know what happens maybe i'll be the worst parent 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple years later, I'll be like, dude, my daughter's a psychopath. Like, she's the worst. I created a monster. <laughs> I've got a. Fr- but you never know. I've got a friend. This 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 makes his dad sound like an absolute psychopath, but he's actually a really good guy. He just did this one thing. <laughs> he, he taught his he, my my friend's dad taught him when he was little that his brain is in his butt, so that. <laughs> Just so that they can have, like, when they have friends over, he'd be like, hey, show everybody where your brain is. And he would point to his butt and they would all laugh. You, That's pretty harmless. That probably fucked him up for years, though. It's always <laughs> the things that you don't think about. Like, my parents told me when I was a kid, if I didn't wipe my butt, I'd get worms. <laughs> so, like, for the longest time, whenever my stomach hurt, I thought there were worms inside oh. of me. Like, <laughs> oh, no. it's just crazy fucking shit like that like you never think about how these small lies will affect your children until they're adults and they're like nah dude that really fucked me up <laughs> you, you know what's actually funny about that that is actually kind of true the statement they share with you have you ever heard of pinworms before i have yeah yeah oh i know God. it is possible yeah i i that, that all of a sudden like i was in like grade school or junior high and that became like a really big thing at the school i don't know why that, that's the first time i ever learned about it because they everybody at the school had to start taking medication because a bunch of kids were not wiping themselves properly therefore spread pinworms weirdest thing i've ever heard in my entire life but when yeah. when, when i was Crazy. little there is uh this when we drove to school i don't remember if it was on the way to school because we live like it was like a 45 minute drive to school for me I don't remember if it was on the way to school or if it was just some place that we occasionally passed to go into like the mall or something, but there was this strip club um, and it had this big sign, like, you know, like kind of stereotypical, like flashing strip club sign. And if I was ever in the car, if like both of my parents were in the car with us, they would like make a joke about it driving by. They'd say like, oh, look, there's our place. Like, like laugh about it. And hearing them say that made me think that they literally owned that place. Oh, no. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was. Um, but we were in a we were on a field trip. <laughs> and my mom was driving. And, you know, it was me and, like, all these other kids in the car. And we passed by it. And I said, Mom, look, there's the place you and Dad own. Oh, my gosh. And, like, got in an argument about her. She was like, we don't own that. And, like... You know, of course, I argued back and like, yeah, every time we talk, you talk about owning it whenever we drive by. So all the kids thought that my parents owned a strip club. You must have been really popular for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Okay. Yeah, let's... you were like the kid whose uncles were, his uncle worked at Nintendo. But <laughs> you're like parents owned a strip club. You're like, yeah, we got all the bitches, guys. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's what that's what I do after school. That's where I go after school and hang out for a little while my, until my parents get done, you know, managing people or whatever. Yeah, you're like amazing buffet. You guys got to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Back to Jeffrey's email. He says, last little bit on the last episode, Rob said, I'm hit or miss on shooters. And I laughed so damn hard. Neither of you, neither of you even noticed. I get it. Thanks for all the great episodes. Keep it going. Later. Mailman number one, Jeffrey. Bye, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Last one uh, from Chase the Night Cleaner. He says, hello, gentlemen, Chase the Night Cleaner here. How's it going? Did Hyde, did Hyde make it into this episode safe and sound? I Hyde, so. did you, did you make it safe? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, no weird like dropout or anything like that. <laughs> um, 
Life's been a bit wild on this end, but mostly good. Since we last talked, I was prescribed a sleep apnea medicine. Oh, no, man. I'm sorry. A sleep apnea machine. Because according to my doctors, I stopped breathing 61 times an hour <laughs> on average while asleep. Damn, Chase. Uh, the machine helps stop that completely. Yep. Also, just for the record, at-home medical equipment is crazy and cool, but also kind of expensive. Yep. Yeah. It was the choice. Yeah. It was the choice of sleep apnea machine or Steam Deck. <laughs> So I had to push off the Steam Deck purchase for a while, but Christmas is coming. I would say bad choice, but I think that's both. <laughs> so, I, I have one of my members with sleep apnea. It's, it actually is one of the things that frustrates me the most is because I know a lot of people who have undiagnosed sleep apnea. And there's like this, I think we've talked about this before in the podcast. There's like this macho-ness around sleep apnea. Like, oh, I don't have to use a sleep apnea machine and blah, 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 blah. And it's just <laughs> that's like, kind of weird. It's so crazy. It drives me nuts because I, I know people who I literally have been next to them sleeping. And I'm like, dude, you have sleep apnea. And I'm like, go get a sleep test on. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, dude, please take care of yourself. You can literally die in your sleep. Like, it's it's a really serious thing. And they're like, no, no, no. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's It like... is very uncommon to actually die in your sleep from that. The, 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 the main problem is that you just don't get all the oxygen you yeah, need. Yeah, you don't get good sleep, but there's also not oxygen in your body. It's really bad for your body overall. I mean, oh, it's, you, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, terrible it overall. The, 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 yeah. Yes. The primary threat is not that you will die in your sleep, even though it is possible. It's more just like like you said, like the overall yeah, unhealthiness of it. Yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah. 100%. And it's, it, yes, it's a huge inconvenience. Yes, there's a cost associated with it, but... Yeah, it, it it's well worth it. My my father and my brother in law both have it, and it's just it's crazy. Like they both do a great job of managing it, and they've talked to me a lot about it. And I ask Lisa occasionally, like, hey, can you just like tell me if I'm snoring in my sleep? You know, just make sure because it's it, the, the, I think the thing that bothers people a lot is like there's not a specific body type that has it. It's not just people who are overweight. A lot of times it's genetic with how your your body is built and how your throat flap, which is a weird sentence, but uh, how it is. So it's like. There, I think there's a lot of negative connotation. Like people are like, oh, like if I have sleep apnea, that means I'm like morbidly obese or something, which is not true. Yeah, Always. I've got I've got a friend who has it pretty bad, not as bad as Chase. Chase's sounds like pretty bad from like very bad from what he's saying. Because sure. this friend of mine, he told me that when he got tested, like I think the threshold for diagnosing it is if you stop if you stop breathing like 40 times in a night. <laughs> Evidently, Chase is stopping breathing 61 times an hour, which sounds insane. But yeah. this but this guy, this friend of mine who has it is like very, very fit and in shape. Uh, and he just like, like you said, it's just like a genetic thing that some people get. Yep, that's exactly. I, I wish that was more widely discussed because I think a lot of people just like pair those th two things together and they're like, oh, that's not me. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um... Speaking of Christmas, it's time for question of the day. Do you already know I want a Steam Deck for Christmas? What is going on your wish list this year? Oh, dude, that chair that Matt had when we went camping, this guy we went camping with had a, what's called it, he called it a zero G chair. That thing is crazy. It is, you basically just like sit in it and you can lay back, you can go all the way back, you can lay like partially up. That chair looks insanely fun for camping. I am 100% going to ask for one of those. That's a solid. Vaughn? Yeah, I already added it to my list. Uh, I feel like the majority of like the responsible thing to do would be to ask for baby things for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm going to do is, uh, yeah, I mean, there are always things that I want, 
that typically I just for holidays, I'm like, what are the things that I refuse to buy myself, but I have been pining for all year? And typically it's like, there are like a bunch of like Hollow Knight apparel that I really want, but spending $40 on a t-shirt just blows my fucking mind. Like, I just won't. I'm like, nah, not going to happen. So there's that. Um, there are like a couple comic book trades that I want specifically, I think die volume four, three or four. And the, um, the most recent dragon age comic, there are a bunch of like meta bots, like old models that I really want, but are like a hundred dollars and I refuse to buy them. So there's that. I don't know. It's just random shit that like, I love for no reason that I'm like, I can't buy it for myself because I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on it. Just on principle, but I don't, but if somebody else wants to break that principle and get it for me, that's fine. Basically. Yeah, but I'll buy a hundred dollars with the dumb shit for everyone else. It's just me. <laughs> right, right, right. Like I won't do it for myself. It's so odd. Probably. I don't know. Like a new camera. I have no idea. I should just ask for baby stuff though. For real. Yeah. We'll save that for the baby shower. You get, you don't want to waste, you know, don't, don't waste your Christmas gifts on that. Just have a baby shower afterward. Everybody has to get you more stuff. Yeah. The only thing that sucks is our babies do in January. So it's like literally right (laughs) after Christmas. So it's like, some people are going to have to double dip for Christmas and like for the baby showers. That's their problem. I was going to say, that's not, that's not a you problem. That's a them problem. You're good. I mean, my wife's birthday is also three days after Christmas. So it oh, kind of fucks me every that's year. That's going to be a busy week. Dude, that's so. a you problem. I know. That one really sucks because now my daughter's birthday is going to be like a month oh my after. Gosh. My wife's birthday is three days after. I'm like, y'all aren't getting anything. I'm Dude, the holiday bonuses right are coming in hot for you. That's what it is. I wish. Jeez. <laughs> you know, it could come. Baby could come early and it might be born on Christmas. Now I would hate my life. <laughs> I would hate it so much, especially because like having holiday birthdays, everyone always gets fucked because they they're do. like, yeah, yeah. Every child that has like a Christmas birthday, they're just like, no, you don't get a birthday because you have Christmas. That's why my wife has made it abundantly clear that I have to get her different things for Christmas and for her birthday because she feels like when she was younger, she didn't get a birthday. And I was like, I get it. Like, it sounds good. Very good. <laughs> I think I'm going to ask for... There's really two, only two things that I've come up with this year, uh, although they are kind of expensive. One is... And I'm not sure about this yet. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I thought it would be cool to do, like, some astrophotography, even though... I've never done any kind of photography. I thought it'd be cool. I thought, dude, like, you get into so much shit. It's it's crazy to me how many hobbies you have. Well, we'll see. What so there's there's a it's gonna happen. <laughs> there is a local like astrophotography club that they meet at the like a the like this big state park um, once a month, and like it's it's open to, to anybody to come hang out. And like thought about going and checking that out when they do it. Uh, this like in November and just kind of seeing if it looks like something that that would be fun. I don't. Re- I've never really cared about photography, but taking pictures of like Jupiter and stuff and like that specifically sounds really cool. So if if I go check that out and end up liking it a lot, I might get like a telescope that you can take pictures from. Uh, oh, that's or, gonna cost so much. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I can only. That's why that would. It would be basically like I, I have two things that. And the this this big ass 
Lego castle, like knight, like knight's castle. That oh, they just send me a picture with. of this. I want to see this. Uh, Whatever this is sounds dope. It's pretty awesome. It's like a throwback kind of. Ooh, I almost sent it to just you. Legos cost so much. It's insane. Yeah, they're really they do. I, I hate it. It's for my nephews bucks. and niece would ask for Legos and I'd be like, bro, you're getting like the fucking Harry Potter in a car Legos. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting you this Hogwarts set. That's going to put me back six months rent. Like it's not happening. Yeah. Why is this $400? Look how big it is. And like, look, like clear on some of the pictures, like it goes around and there's like, inside like it gets it kind of unfolds and it gets pretty big i, I get that god legos are so expensive dude honestly if i got into legos again i would just buy like used tubs of them from parents who want to get rid of their legos for like 50 bucks off ebay and be like all right that's that's what i'm doing i don't really like buying the pre-built sets anymore because they're so expensive yeah they were i mean they definitely are but you do you obviously you enjoy what you enjoy yeah tell me to fuck myself but these yeah. are, your hobbies are shit rob no big deal but like oh you do you yep. <laughs> terrible takes but yeah you do uh let's see oh okay bonus question of the day what is the most ridiculous present you've ever received when i was a teen i once got a playboy from my mother what? Which is a very awkward gift to get from a parent at the age of 17 yes uh you didn't have to explain that that is awkward. Yeah. Uh, that's, what? I feel. I feel. I do need an explanation of why, though. But he doesn't offer that. Chase, your you can't mom's just... like. I don't think you have a healthy enough like <laughs> sexual identity. We really need to change that for you. Here's a and Playboy. It's like, yeah, it's like when you realize that like one of the few things that your parents always did know about was that you were masturbating as a kid and you thought you were so sneaky about it. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it blows your mind. Uh, you can't. There's no elaboration. He just J, uh, Chase, do you know? Can you please explain? Do you have yeah, any we're idea gonna why? Need no more. Like, you did you? You can't just do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little concerned now. He's going to be like, my mom was sick of me giving back her Better Homes and Gardens magazines with sticky pages. So she bought me a Playboy. (laughs) What was the weirdest gift I ever got? (laughs) I don't know that I've ever gotten like a bizarre. I'm trying to think. I'm trying trying to think of something a little weird. I got some pocket. I got somebody. That was my grandfather and my brother gave me pocket knives, like a lot of pocket knives, and not like like little Boy Scout ones, but like full on like fold out knives when I was like ten or eleven. <laughs> I remember I had like five or six of them, and I, I remember I took them to my friend's house to show them, and his parents got really concerned. Really? It wasn't like yeah, hundred percent. They they actually confiscated them and gave them to my parents, and then they came back to me. But like I didn't know, I was ten or eleven years old, and I was just like, oh, like because he and I, he had like um kind of like an open area in his backyard. So we'd go out there and like sharpen sticks and do stupid shit with, with them. And we were, we were safe about it. Right. Even though we were as young as we were. Cause I was in Boy Scouts, but yeah, his parents were not real keen on some, somebody coming to their house, like five or six pocket knives. That's pretty funny. The, the All I can think of is that my mother-in-law used Uh-oh. to have this weird thing where she like basically refused to write names on presents and she would just try to remember who which present everybody was for and inevitably got them mixed up every single year and like 
I'd be, I'd be like, are you sure this is mine? She's like, yeah. And then I would open it and it was like something that was obviously not for me. And she would like get embarrassed and try to like quickly snatch it and give it to who it was intended for. It was very awkward. Um, one thing she also did one time, this wasn't me, but I was there. She, it was a present for my uh, wife's sister's uh, baby. And it was like some clothes or something. And the clothes were like folded up in this little gift bag. And, uh, the, her husband, like the, my wife's sister's husband was the one opening it up. And like, obviously she had just like had stuff out and was like folding up the baby clothes. And like, evidently some other stuff was there nearby and somehow got folded into the mix. But he was like taking all of the clothes out and randomly there was a pair of her own underwear in with it. (laughs) (laughs) That was the present. She's like, I wore those for two days. <laughs> oh my god! On that note, my uh, my parents one time uh, for from a gift from Santa Claus to my younger brother, they accidentally wrapped the scissors and the tape holder into the gift accidentally, and uh, yeah. So my brother, that was one of those like, is Santa real? They, dude, they that's were, what I was wondering. <laughs> they, they're four, four kids. They were they tried they had to hide everything from us. They had to wrap everything last minute. They, like basically, they would take us to our grandparents' house and then wrap everything in one night. And they just got, it got too late and they just fucked up and didn't actually, and it was great too, because my brother's like opening it and I can just like, I'm like, is that, is that scissors? And then get, there's, a, and my mom goes, it, it, I remember seeing her face. She goes, that's where the scissors were. <laughs> she was losing <laughs> her fucking mind trying to find these scissors. That's pretty good. That's a good one. There was, uh, there was one person, uh, I just remember another one in I'm not going to say who it was specifically, but there was a, a, an extended family member who used to like give us, and even she would give the same types of things to like my dad, like everybody, basically just like random free stuff that she got from like, who knows where she would wrap it up. And that would be your present, like shampoo from a hotel, for instance. And, uh, one year she gave my wife a bouncy ball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How random. Yeah. She gives her a wad of Panda Express napkins. You're like, why? Uh let's see. Is that it? You don't have anything you don't have anything of on? Or did you already say I no, I've been trying so hard, like kind of racking my brain to think of like weird shit I've been given. Like okay, this is a little odd. For my 18th birthday, my brother gave me the gift of no longer calling me the F word. And when I say that, (laughs) I mean the derogatory term. Like he called me it for eight years. Like it was insane. And that's just accepted in Idaho, whatever. It's it's a little odd, but that was probably the weirdest gift I've ever gotten. That same brother. Wait, did he say like, did he say like, I'm never going to call you this anymore? Or did he just like happen to, did he just stop when you turned 18? Did he announce no, he it as your gift? No, he specifically addressed it because <laughs> he never said my name. He specifically called me that. And I was wow. like, all right, I guess that's a gift. But also that same brother, I didn't, it, this isn't me getting anything from him. I gave him, have you ever seen Truck Nuts before? Yes, yes. of course. Yeah, I, I gave him a fat pair of Truck Nuts because he's <laughs> like kind of the Kmart cowboy kind of a guy. Okay. Like. 
he wears K-Mart boots and shit like that. Boy. I'm stealing that term. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually amazing. And I gave him, like, he takes his trucks very seriously. And for Christmas one year, I gave him just this fat pair of truck nuts, like fleshy colored and everything. But yeah, I don't, my dad used to like take really dope boxes. Like, oh, he would, I'd get a PS3 box with a bunch of trash in it. And he thought oh. it was so funny. Like that happened. Oh, that blows. But, yeah, I mean, granted, like a couple days later, he'd remember that he actually did need to still give me the PS3. Like, I still got okay, the PS3. That's, that's good. He just forgot about it for several days. But like, yeah, yeah, those are probably the weirdest things that I've been given. Uh, on the truck nuts comment, my older brother got a pair for himself when they first became a thing. And one of my neighbors uh, came over, this older woman came to my uh, my house, knocked on the door, uh, and my mom answers. And she's like, hey, I just need you to know that your son has a large pair of testicles hanging off the back of his truck. And my mom just, she was like, oh, okay. And then second she went inside, she started cracking up laughing. And she's like, Andy, my older brother's name is Andy. She's like, Andy, what the fuck did you do? And then she, he showed it to her and she's like, and she's just like, I'm not going to tell you to take them off, but okay, do your thing. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that they're the worst thing I've ever seen, but like, that's cool. Whatever. That's, that's a good one. Good truck nuts. God, what a, what a throwback. What a thing. What a great Some guy thing. Made a, I think um, it's what you guys mean to say. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> that is true. Some guy made a lot of money off that, Robert. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> uh sounds like the, oh yeah that's it for me cheers and talk again soon chase the night cleaner thank you chase as always yeah thanks as always and thanks for everybody writing in i love to hear from everybody yeah thanks everybody. love the questions too we um do y'all have any current games that you want to mention briefly i don't think i've been playing anything that's not old lately I started playing Three Houses again, the Fire Fire Emblem. I'm about like an hour in. I I know. Actually, I want to. I actually had a question for you. This reminds me. I'll ask this to both you guys. So, Fire Emblem Three Houses is a game that I've watched Lisa and Hunter play. Lisa for probably days in terms of hours committed to to watching her play it. Uh, and I know for a fact that if and when I start playing it, I'm really going to enjoy it. Is what is, what is a game either classic or current that you know for a fact that if you played it, you would love it. You just haven't gotten around to it for no reason other than you haven't. So I have never played it, but I know that I'll like it when I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, exactly. And it can be something you've, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I put it. Said it much more succinctly, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer to that. No shot. You have a laundry list of games. I, I, pull, I am pulling up a list of games that I like want to play soon. Let's see if any of these are like 100% I know I'm going to like it. Probably, I bet Free Space 2. And Wing Commander Privateer. I have a feeling I'm definitely going to like both of those. Uh... I mean, for me, it's like immediately when you ask that question, I knew exactly what it was, and it's Bioshock. I've never played oh, really? any of those games. Yeah, I've never played them, and I've wanted to for so long, but just never. Like, for, like you said, for no reason. I'm like, yeah. nah. I'll just hold off. Like I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I think that's oh, all I've got. Curious. Honestly, I don't have a great answer for that, but I'm pretty sure I'll. I really. Oh, another one is uh, transport tycoon. Uh, is it op- is it transport tycoon deluxe open? It's. I know it goes by open TTD now because it's like an open version of the game. I think TTT stands for 
Can't even remember. Tra- yeah, it is. Okay, it's Transport Tycoon Deluxe. It's kind of a SimCity-esque uh, type game, but more more focused on just like uh, setting down the transportation part of the infrastructure. I think I will love that one, but I just haven't played it yet. So yeah, those and the, the first two in, in Open TTD. Um, any so no 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 nobody's got any current game. Vaughn, have you are you playing anything not old these days that you want to just give a quick mention to? I mean, I am replaying through. Well, I didn't beat it the first time, so there's that. But I restarted Elden Ring, but I'm playing oh, on okay. a dex build instead of what I would normally do would be like a constitution strength build because I always thought of myself as like this tanky kind of player that just like sits behind a shield and I've realized that playing a dex build is far more fun because you actually have to like memorize attack patterns Mm -hmm. and the only thing I can do is dodge out of the way so it's much harder but much more fun but other than that not really. I actually like ever since I quit IndiePod, I basically went on like a games blackout. I barely played games for the most part. Like there were a few games that I got into. Like I played some Final Fantasy 14 for a while, played some Destiny 2 for a while, and was trying to get into games. Like I beat uh Dragon Age Inquisition and all of its DLC. But yeah, other than for right now, Elden Ring. Pretty much nothing. I'm just watching a bunch of anime. That's about it. Gotcha. Um. Okay, cool. I think that's going to wrap it for this one. Quick reminder to everybody. Our game of the quarter is Chibi Robo. That is, uh, we'll be discussing that sometime around the end of December. Um. I'm at King Octavius on Twitter. You can follow us at Class Gamescast. Leave us all some reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends to listen to us. Email us, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Uh, Vaughn, where can everybody follow you and do all that uh, kind of stuff? Um, for right now, there's specifically two places, I guess. One would be at Hyde Legion on Twitter. That's at H-Y-D-E-L-E-G-I-O-N. Um, that's just like my personal Twitter and stuff like that. But other than that, if you like anime, you can check out my videos on YouTube. Uh, it's that Iskai guy. Um, Iskai is I-S-E-K-I-A. Um, uh, and that and guy, you should pretty much understand pretty easily. Um, yeah, I make videos on anime, specifically East Kai anime. The one I'm working on right now is about Log Horizon and how it's not as good as you remember. But other than that, I only have the two and soon I will probably be starting a podcast with Josh, maybe a podcast of my friends. I'm trying not to overwhelm myself with shit to do, but I am very quickly doing that exact thing so we'll see what happens that happens sometimes yeah (laughs) uh i think that's it so everybody thank you for listening vaughn thank you so much for coming on it's always fun coming on again always fun yeah absolutely it's a lot of fun i love talking to you guys yeah you as well we will be back in about three weeks and uh i don't know where i'm going with this we're just gonna be back in three weeks that's it period (laughs) easy enough